Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And I'm the Night Owl. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lamb. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... What is up, Russell Talk fans and family? Thank you for tuning in one more night for the Russell Talk podcast with Joe and Renee. If you are listening to the podcast instead of watching NXT or AEW, we thank you. We appreciate you. That, that is absolutely amazing. If you decide to listen to the podcast after you watch NXT or AEW, then that's completely awesome as well. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we got a great, great night going for you tonight. We got the high spot segment, the shoot and shout segment, the rest of the podcast, game show challenge, the fantasy wrestling segment, the snippets of truth, and then, if that's not enough, we have two special guests tonight. We have... Michael Pam coming on at 7.30, and then we have Barry Norman coming on at 8.30. Michael Pam is a guy that I've known for quite some time, and and he's been wanting to come on to the show and talk about his professional wrestling journey, and so we decided we're going to make that happen. So tonight, we're going to have Michael Pam coming on. we got Barry Norman coming on. It's going to be an absolute amazing, amazing, amazing night tonight. With that being said, we do need to get in the man, the myth, the legend, the guy that needs no introduction, the Night Owl.
Thank you for being here. Dewan Mills, the originator, creator, the head administrator. We love you. And uh, as we kick off tonight's show, Jonesy, I'm pretty excited, man. I'm busting out a new blonde ale. Okay, I'm going to be trying nice. out tonight in honor of my uh, five and three Kansas City Chiefs, which I am representing very heavily. Got, you know, our, our minds and our thoughts and our prayers on Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully he makes a, uh, a speedy recovery, bro. But listen, this ain't a football show, it's a wrestling show. And if you guys want to talk wrestling, I don't care if you want to talk about what you're watching or what you saw or what you're looking forward to seeing. We want you to be here, mi gente. That's right, my people. You got to dial that number. If anybody who's watching right now has a moment, type these numbers out for us so that the other listeners know the number and they can call in and enjoy the show during High Spots, which is coming up here in about five minutes. The number is 657-383-1521 to participate in today's edition of the WrestleTalk Podcast, which features two awesome guests, Jonesy, Michael Pam, a huge supporter, a big-time fan just like us, a professional wrestling man, and then, of course, man, the, the former WCW publicist turned author, Barry Norman. It's going to be a tremendous show, guys. So if you love the future of pro wrestling, the present and the past, episode 270 is going to give you a little bit of all of that, Jonesy. I'm fired up, baby. How are you feeling tonight? I am feeling absolutely great tonight. I've had a great past couple of days. Uh, I am a huge uh, horror movie fan, and last night I had the opportunity to go to a movie theater and see Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 back-to-back, and it was absolutely amazing. It was like there was nobody else who was there, so it was just me in the theater by myself watching Halloween movies. <laughs> it was awesome. And drinking <laughs> beer. They had beer yeah, there. So beer. I was drinking beer while I was watching Halloween. Dude, that that's awesome, man. That sounds like an absolutely great time. And you know what? No better way to get ready for an, an incredible upcoming weekend of professional wrestling than go catch a good horror flick, man. So, Josie, I'll tell you what, dude. There's so much that I want to get into um, but I got to kick it off with one very important correction. Uh, so I got a call earlier this week uh, from the, uh, the ever uh, respectful and highly respected Herb Simmons. And I guess I'd broken some news on the show about him being inducted into the Hall of Fame, like you guys heard me allude to just a couple of seconds ago. Well, that is true. He is going into the Midwest Independent Hall of Fame in February of 2020, which yours truly Wrestle Talk fan, we're going to do what we can to be there because that is a very, very special and important moment in the uh, history of Midwest professional wrestling for Herb Simmons to be inducted. What is not accurate mm-hmm. is my claim, my ignorant claim, that he would also be going into the Cauliflower Alley Club Hall of Fame. Now, when I, told, I spoke to Herb, I said, hey, maybe I was mistaken. I went back and confirmed it. Shame on me. But the point stands, Jonesy, and I know you're all the way in out, Virginia, out in West Virginia, and you've heard the name Herb Simmons. And you know that if anybody's overdue to be inducted, it's Herb Simmons. So this is my petition to Brian Blair and the good folks over at the CAC. Let's give this man his flowers before he's gone. Let's not wait until after Herb Simmons is gone to say, hey, Herb Simmons is a legend. He's the man. We love him. He's the Tony Montana for professional wrestling in the Midwest. You know what I'm talking about? He's the man. Let's do that. Let's these pro wrestlers, these managers, commentators, referees, Fans, podcasters, and anybody associated with pro wrestling, bro, let's give people their flowers before it's too late, Jonesy. 
Let's make that commitment as a Wrestle Talk family to make sure that we big up people before they're gone, man, because we get into this habit of showing so much love for people when they're gone, dude. Ten Bell Saloon, we play this and we do that. Let's give people the respect they deserve while they're still here to enjoy it. Can we make that uh, a commitment and a mission statement moving forward with the Wrestle Talk podcast? Jonesy, does that sound like a good one to you? That sounds like a great plan to me, sir. Absolutely wonderful. Let's do it. All right. With all that said, ladies and gentlemen, we want to ask you to please respectfully remove your caps as we pay homage to the greatest country on God's green earth. That's America, damn it. Oh, 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 say can you see and the rocket red flag? Uh-oh. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. Let's go ahead and get into this high spot segment because we got a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. And so, Timmy, hit that music. We have now taken over your radio. So I'm going to go ahead and start this off with some huge news that was released. I believe it was either today or yesterday. And, you know, once again, I've proven that no matter what the WWE does, the fans are going to complain about it. The WWE (laughs) announced that at Crown Jewel, for the first time ever, you are going to see a women's match between... Lacey Evans and Natalia, and you would think that the wrestling fans would would be like, "This is amazing, you know, because it's the first ever women's match in Saudi Arabia." But no, no, they have to complain because it's Lacey Evans and Natalia. You know, well, it should be somebody else. It should be somebody else. They're totally ignoring the fact that they never had a women's match in. Saudi Arabia. Women are not allowed to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. This is not just a regular wrestling match. This is groundbreaking. This is huge. And people still are complaining about it. What are your thoughts, Renee? Well, you know what? I'm ready to go in on a rant and a tirade because I want to talk to you guys about this and I want to talk to you guys uh, um, concerning the situation between Booker T and Jordan Miles of NXT. Man, we got so much to cover. I also want to talk about I also want to talk about Thunder Rosa appearing on NWA Power this week. She was just on the show two weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you yeah. who are wondering why we still do what we do, is A, because we love it. Number two, because the fans want more. Number three, we get an opportunity to talk to the future stars of the business, baby, and stars of the past as usual. But that's why we do this, man, because it's very, very exciting. But before I do that, man, I actually want to bring on a caller first. This man is well-respected. Uh, out in West Virginia, man, uh, he, he does some work for EPPW as security guard. Uh, he's also a very good friend and loyal listener of the show. And he also happens to be the FWWC heavyweight champion for Blue Brand. Let's go and bring in my man Tank right now. 
and see what he thinks about the women getting their opportunity over in Saudi Arabia, or really if there's anything else that he wants to talk about, he's more than welcome to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in our amigo, our brother, part of the fam, Tank Westbrook. What up, Tank? What you got on your mind tonight, bro? How you doing, Nadal? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, man. I, I'm fantastic, bro. I, it's, it's been a great night so far, and we're just getting started, bro. What's going on with you? Uh, nothing, man. I'm actually uh, sitting here at the hotel, um, getting ready for the FWC Crown Jewel pay per view that we're going to have tomorrow. Um, watching a little bit of baseball, watching a little bit of AEW. Going to be watching a little bit of NXT today. But, you know, I had to take some time out of my day and call you all and talk to you all. Well, well we do appreciate it, man. And we got a couple of topics on the table, man, unless you wanted to introduce a new one. What do you think, man? What is on your mind? So let's go back to Nate Mo Jones talking about, you know, Lacey Evans and and uh, Natalia. Yes, you know, okay. Here, here, here's my thought. Yes, it, it's – you know, it's the first time ever for women to fight in Saudi Arabia. That that I don't have a problem with, you know, and I'm I'm excited to see how the match will unfold. Um, my biggest issue is we've seen a lot of matches between these two. Um, I feel Natalia is getting to the part of her career where Natalia needs to honestly retire. I don't think she's uh, – I don't feel like she just has that push anymore. Whoa! Wow. Bold, bold statement there. I, I like, I like the strong take, Josie. I'm going to give you an opportunity to jump in real quick and rebuttal, man. Do you think it's time for Natalia to retire? Is that your problem with this match? Do I think it's time for her to retire? No, n- not at all. I don't have an issue with with with, with the match whatsoever. My issue is with the, the the fans that are complaining because it's Natalia against Lacey Evans. It's like, you know, be happy for once that you get to see something that is never been done before. It's something that, that's absolutely amazing, and they still can't be happy about it. That's my, well, my problem. I've seen it all I'm over ha- Facebook. I'm happy well, yeah, Hank, why don't you jump back in here? Because well, I want you to jump back in here real quick, and, and I want to say this before you do. Is is your issue? I mean, obviously, we're all happy that the women are getting this opportunity. I think that is a little understated. But is your problem exclusively with the fact that you're not getting a better match? Because if listen, I love Natalia too. I don't think it's time for her to retire either, Jonesy. But I do think they could have provided a more high level opponent. Is that what you're trying to say, Tank? Yeah, I just I feel that you know Natalia is getting a little stale, and that's my opinion because we're she's. There's so much more talent these days coming in that we're not always getting to see it full one hand. Um, like, okay, here's the best the best way I can explain it a little bit a little bit better is Lacey Evans is still a rookie. Yes, she's been around through NXT and now on the main roster. But give her a different opponent. Let us see the skills that Lacey Evans has. We've already seen the skills of Natalia. She's been been around for a long time, and I just feel like give us give us two talents that you know are still rookies, still coming up that that have the time that we can see it and get used to uh, seeing on the on the sta- grandest stage uh, that's wrestling these days. Well, 
Wow. I, think I, that, I absolutely love I love that take. I, I think that one of the, the reasons that they, they may have decided with this match is because Natalia and Lacey Evans both have history with each other. They, they, they both were in this long feud, and so they know that they could put on a good match. And I think that that, that might be be why that that they 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 decided on this this, this match to to be honest. I mean, I don't know. Well, I see your opinion, and I and I respect that. Appreciate that. Well, take. We're going to give you an opportunity to jump back in here with anything else you want to throw out on the table, uh, or or if you wanted to comment uh, about anything else that you've either been watching or uh, you know that you're interested. In. I mean, they, we don't want to. We don't want to pigeonhole anybody. You know, we bring up a couple of topics, bro, but if there's something else that you think is worthy of bringing up, man, that's what the High Spot segment is all about. Again, guys, you can join in and participate. We encourage you to do so. Yeah, you can even win prizes if you, if you come in and bring up a, a lot of heat with your call. That number is 657-383-1521. Again, 657-383-1521. Tank, uh, what, do you, what do you got? Like you said, that, that's all I was mainly wanting to talk about, uh, because that that is my I guess the biggest issue I have recently, and I appreciate Nightmare Jones already talking and touching on it. So that's all I really awesome. talk about right now. Absolutely. Awesome, all bro. right. Well we'll, well, we'll we'll put you back on hold, brother. Go ahead, Jonesy. Oh my goodness! I guess that that the the next topic we need to talk about is the elephant that's in the bag, and that is <laughs> Jordan Miles and his. Uh, Blatant uh, displeasure with the uh, T-shirt that the WWE was uh, going to put out for him, um, you know, and I, I totally understand it. Um, you know, it's a black T-shirt with a big old set of red lips and showing teeth, and you know, I, I can understand why he he would uh, would would uh, be upset. With, with 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 that, and you know, we've actually had Jordan Miles on the the podcast before. It's the guy formerly known as ACH, one of your favorite wrestlers. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jonesy, and I got some very very uh, stern uh, thoughts about this topic as well. Um, but I I don't want to pretend like I'm a subject matter expert on what it is to be a black man in America, especially in 2019. So huh? I think that we have a caller. I think we have a a, a a caller on hold who can speak to this topic maybe with a little bit more insight because I'm Latino. Our struggles are similar, but they're not the same. Um, so yeah. I can only speak to it to a, I can only speak about it to a certain extent. But if you want to talk to somebody who lives it and can understand it, or maybe completely disagrees, because I've seen people on both sides like. Yo, you're yes. tripping, you're doing too much right now, you're wasting your opportunity, and I see people that are like, yo, you know, hashtag for the culture. You feel me? Like like, like the Colin Kaepernick yeah. thing, not to say that this is a Colin Kaepernick thing, but it's a very polarizing topic. So, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to welcome in a guy that I consider to be a brother, uh, a, a, a true friend, and somebody that I've had the pleasure of doing business with in the past many, many times, and really one of the best and greatest supporters of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Uh, the one and only, Dewan Mills. Dewan, welcome to the show tonight, man. Hey, what's going on, Not Al? Can you hear me loud and clear, sir? Are we are we connected, sir? 
Yes, we sir. are loud and clear, my friend. Just bring the heat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. First of all, uh, I want to talk about elephants in the room. I'm not sure if you guys are looking outside, but if you live in the Kansas City, Missouri area, Kansas area, it kind of looks like December outside. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on or what's happening or who's pissing somebody's cereals, but it's currently snowing night out. I'm not a big fan of snow. Uh, I'm not sure about you. <laughs> well, listen, seeing as I'm originally from uh, – I grew up down in South Florida – uh, the snow is something that still takes some getting used to, bro. But you know what? With all this fire going on in the world of pro wrestling, all the shade and heat getting thrown on Twitter, bro, it almost feels like it's the middle of summer right now, bro. We want to get your thoughts on that. So here's the deal. Uh, and I might catch some heat for this, but I don't see the big concern, nor do I see the big deal about the whole T-shirt. I mean, okay, uh, give me a minute. Let's keep it real. Okay, I believe that this gentleman, ACH, because he's ACH to me, is reaching. Like, I've talked to him now, you've talked to him, we've had conversations with him. He's a pretty down-to-earth, humble guy, been in the business for this long, for a very, very long time, uh, independent and now in the WWE circuit. Uh, All this uh, social media post, it, it just doesn't seem like him. And to be honest with you, again, Renee, uh, you're a businessman uh, outside of the WrestleTalk podcast. You understand right. if there's an issue, if there's a concern, if there's, uh, you know, disagreement, there's a proper way to do that. See what I'm saying? Going on social media, blasting Twitter, tagging people and doing all that is not the proper way to handle things if there's a legitimate discrepancy. So for me, and again, I might catch some heat for this, this seems to me like a work. If it's not a work, it's very ignorant of him. Because let's be honest, yes, the WWE uh, may be known for having favor for certain talent, but the exact same time, it is what it is. It's the pinnacle. It's the milestone. It's the big dog. It's the big fish. So sometimes you have to play by the rules. Now, I'm not saying, you know, down your culture or whatnot, but if that's such a big a deal, man, then why in the world did the shirt, like, why are we talking about a shirt? Like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. And I didn't see the, I didn't, again, you have to really reach to see the issue with the shirt and the teeth and all, like, you got to reach for that, bro. You got to reach for that. Because when I first saw it, I didn't see that. But at the end of the day, it's about professionalism. This is a business. If I have an issue, I'm not going to blast it on social media. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? So all this stuff that he's doing is not making it look good for him. It's not. And me personally, I don't think it's a wise decision for him to do what he's doing. I just don't. I just don't. I really don't. And, again, I mean, that might be disagreed by some, but at the same time, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, it. honestly – I think that the whole thing very well could be a work to try to get him over with the fans because there's no company in the world that that's gonna gonna put out that shirt and and not think they're gonna get any type of repercussions for it. I mean, the dude literally called Jay Lethal a Uncle Tom. I mean, <laughs> like I don't know. Like I, I'm really hoping, like you said that this is a 
you know, some sort of a stunt, you know, you know, some some sort of of a angle because the dude is literally like burying his own grave. It seems like. That's right. just and my that's like my me, thought. You know, right. You know, that's like me going on Facebook and blasting discrepancies, and it's not it's not within his character. And again, you know, we don't. I haven't talked to him or recently, but I don't know him personally. But just from seeing him at different independent shows and you know watching him on social media. This just doesn't seem like his character, you know. His, his, no, he's more humble than this. So it's hard for me to believe that this is actually legitimate. I mean, what are your thoughts, man? Well, you know what? I've got a a, a great deal of, of emotion and, and kind of sentiment concerning this whole situation. And, and I know our time is limited uh, because we do have Michael Pam of Michael's Corner coming up here in about ten minutes. Um, I would prefer almost to get some more callers on because I'm still kind of trying to make up my mind about how I feel. Because just in listening to you guys talk, I heard one guy go, this was you, Duan. Initially, I didn't really think much of the shirt when I saw it until somebody pointed it out. And you being the black guy, right? And then Joe says, well, how could you have put a shirt like that out not expecting to get any repercussions. So it's almost like, and, and if I'm totally wrong, somebody tell me, it's almost like people of the other race are more racially sensitive than the people of the race that they actually are. For example, I saw a video uh, where there was a guy walking around in a certain part of California in a sombrero and a poncho, and all the people around him were white, and they were all telling him it was racist, right? But then he was wearing the same stuff, and he went to the Mexican part of town, and the Mexican people loved the dude. They wanted to sing with him. They wanted to drink beers with him. They wanted to you know, take, take pictures with him. So, I mean, I know this is maybe outside the realm of this topic of conversation, but I think there's something to that. How is it that the white dude sees the racism in it, but the guy that's supposed to be offended by it doesn't? It's a little weird, and it, it's not an isolated incident. Here's the other thing that comes to mind when I think about this situation. you got to always consider the OGs, and I think that might be a part of the problem when people complain about the younger generation. We're not Barry Norman on in the second hour. This guy knows about old school, and he knows about new school, but he knows more about old school. We're going to hear about how things used to be back in the day because back in the day, there was no social, right? But if you were going to be loud-mouthing about something like this, the first thing you would be, do is you would talk to your OG. Who's the best OG for African-Americans in WWE? I don't think you could pick anybody better than Booker T or Mark Henry, right? And what mm-hmm. do those guys say? They say ACH is out of line. They sound just like DeWan. Now, here's where I have the biggest concern. If this is a work, then I am legitimately going to have a problem with WWE because they're using the race card to try to get somebody over? Now, I've seen lazy shit to get over. I've seen lazy shit to get over. I see Joey (laughs) Janela throwing himself through barbed wire and off of four-story buildings. I think that shit is retarded to try to get yourself over. But this would be a new level of bullshit to do to try to get somebody over. I pray to God this isn't a work. Because if this is the extent that they've gone to, to try to get somebody over, I don't want it. 
I don't want that. I don't want Bobby Lashley sleeping with another man's wife. I don't want none of that shit. And I'm a grown man. I can watch it all day. But it just, it's not, it's distasteful. And they're, you know who's really reaching? WWE is really reaching. They're really trying hard to do all this crazy shit to keep our attention. And guess what? It ain't working, you asswipe. It ain't working. It's a shame. But, again, no final thoughts for me because there's still so much to, to bite down on on this topic, gentlemen. But it's crazy how many different angles you can look at it from. Any thoughts on my thoughts, guys? Because I know I was a lot. I just I dropped a lot right there. What do you guys think? Oh, I, I I totally I totally agree with you. I I really hope that 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 this is not a, a publicity stone because if it is, and if, if this is the length that the WWE is going, the only thing that that's going to do is going to lose them more fans to AEW. Uh, you know, so I, I just, I really hope that that is not a, a publicity stunt. But, but if it's not, then, you know, then ACH needs to, like, kind of calm down a little bit. You know what I mean? Talk to your OG. Go talk to your OG, ACH. Go talk to your OG. You know why, bro? Because you could have accomplished just as much, just as much, by becoming the best performer you possibly can, giving yourself a real platform like what Roman Reigns and John Cena have done, and then speak on topics that can really make a difference in people's lives. Because all that ACH did, as much as I love the guy, is he stirred up a hornet's nest, and he's likely going to cost himself the greatest professional wrestling opportunity he's ever had. Dewan, I'm going to let you close out this topic, but I want to say one last thing as a bit of a conspiracy theory. And it came to me in the shower, and you guys are going to think I'm crazy. But I think that ACH is wanting to get himself fired from WWE because if he gets fired for this, he's automatically the biggest babyface in the world of professional wrestling in that moment, and automatically AEW is going to pick him up, and they're going to cradle him like a brand-new baby boy saying you are the newest afflictor of our greatest enemy and you are now going to be the spokesman for the black professional wrestler. And people will listen to you because of the shitstorm that you created over that WWE. That's my conspiracy theory. Let's see how it plays out. But boy, oh boy, we could probably talk about this for another half hour if we wanted to. I'm going to let my man Dewan Mills have final thoughts on this topic, bro. What do you got? Yo, so, wow, the old Antonio Brown play. That's <laughs> funny. The old so, Antonio Brown play. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> I'm going to close it out. I, I'm going to kind of modify it. I'm going to kind of modify my closing statement. You guys are familiar with a gentleman by the name of Rodney King. I won't get into all that, but he once said, and I modified it, can't we all just wrestle? <laughs> That's all. There you go. Can't we all just wrestle? There you wrestle? go. <laughs> That's that's incredible. Well, Dewan, thank you for being a part of the show, man. Um, really great contribution. Thank you for your honesty and your insight, man. Hopefully you'll keep tuning in. It's going to be a great rest of the show, man. Thanks for the love and support. And remember, man, share, share, share. Thanks, brother. Woo! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we, we go, got a little bit of breaking news. So this, is, this report comes from Davenport, Iowa, on Saturday 
WWE Champion Seth Rollins set fire to a display in the Spirit of Halloween store on 53rd and Elmore. Witnesses described this scene as chaotic. I'm here with my two kids to get costumes for their school Halloween parade, and this maniac lights a bunch of matches and screams, Burn it down! We're now doing we're doing inventory and all our guys are fake bars in the back and we started to smell smoke and I see a, a man spinning a giant red belt above his head yelling, Burn it down. So you got Seth Rollins burning down spirit of Halloween stores. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, 
And, and, and I'll be honest with you, man, what I'm really anxious for is to hear from Michael Pam. Uh, our upcoming guest, uh, for those of you who guys that don't know, um, suffers from a disability. And huh? when he was young, um, there wasn't a lot of hope for Michael. Um, he, he wasn't necessarily destined to be with us as long as he is. And him just being here, Jonesy, is a testament to modern medicine and faith. And yes. one of the things that he told me as we were setting up for this interview was that professional wrestling is one of the things that helps keeps him fueled and motivated to keep on fighting. You want to well, talk about a guy who went from being just a fan in the crowd up in Minnesota to starting to run the camera and then becoming kind of part of the family uh, over there at Minnesota Extreme Wrestling. And then now he's got his own YouTube channel where he gets a chance to interview some of the, the best talent that comes through that area. And, and he's a big fan of the WrestleTalk podcast. I, I guess I should have led off with that, and we love him for that, man. But he'll be joining us here in just a matter of minutes, Jonesy. And I'll tell you what, man, the dude is an inspiration on so many levels. I think by the time we're done talking to him, uh, you're going to understand why we feel the way that we feel. Because if you ever feel like you can't do something, or you ever feel like you don't have what it takes, you don't have the equipment, you don't have the tools, you have some sort of handicap, don't let that stop you because there's been many, many demonstrations and examples of if you're willing to work hard, okay, and you put it, okay, I'm sorry, if you have a plan and you're willing to work hard, you can accomplish anything, and our upcoming guest is a wonderful example of that. So I know he's officially now in the green room ready to come on, uh, we've got a little bit of music that we're going to play for his intro since it is a tradition here on the Russell Talk podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, allow me uh, to warmly introduce uh, a guy who I think is one of the coolest individuals in the sport of professional wrestling. Uh, he covers it with a passion and an intensity and a determination like none other. So, intern Timmy, go ahead and cue up that music for our first featured guest of the evening, Michael Earl Pan. <laughs> I am doing good. How are you? We're doing very, very, very well. Uh, thank you for taking uh, time out of your uh, busy schedule to uh, to come on to the uh, uh, podcast. So, I guess the first question we should ask is: is what is your professional wrestling story? Like, what got you involved in the professional wrestling? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um. How I got into the wrestling business is um, basically um, I just started just, you know, going to wrestling shows and whatnot in Minnesota. So um, that was back in um, on February 10th, 2011. So uh-huh. I just go to wrestling shows. I met some of the wrestlers there. And... Um, know, so then uh, I just, you know, Santa might ask me if I wanted to go to more wrestling shows, 
You have to say yes. So that's when um, I got approached by uh, my late friend, um, Kurt Allerholt. Um, so he, uh, I, he introduced me, and uh, I introduced him and whatnot, and that's when uh, we developed a friendship. So, so then at that time, you know, at that time, um, he um, started taking me to wrestling shows um, probably in 2012. And um, and um, one day he asked me, like, if, you know, if, he, if I want to work for him in AMEW, and um, was that just for Minnesota Extreme Wrestling? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> so, so um, I I told him, yeah because you know I love wrestling so much that uh, that you know I'll be willing to work for him and whatnot. So. He went beyond his way to make sure that I have a job, you know, working for him as well as being in the wrestling business. And that's and that's what that's what I did, you know. I got the job. So July nineteenth, he started his show. And oh my God! First time I worked for him, that's the answer was great. And I thought, you know, that's when it all just start clicking. I went to more of his shows for four years until, unfortunately. He uh, passed away. So in mm-hmm. August of 2016, and that that uh, really hit me really hard. Yeah. On his deathbed, because he he took me under his wing, and and just you know, it, it was just heartbreaking. You know, because he, we did everything on the road. He took me to all the wrestling shows that he did. And just like that, he had to die. He passed away just two, three years ago. And I'm still kind of in shock about that. Because we got that, you know, friendship and whatnot. So that's how I really got my start in wrestling. And I just continue to go to wrestling shows in his army because that's what he wanted me to do. Awesome. And that 
So, did you guys got any more questions for me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have one more question, and I'm going to throw it to uh, Renee, because I know he has a bunch of, of questions. As we were doing our uh, research, I, I found out that one of, of your goals is to interview Shane Douglas and Francine. What would it mean to you to be able to interview Shane Douglas and Francine? That would mean the world to me because I interviewed some of the greatest wrestlers in Minnesota, and not just in Minnesota, in Wisconsin as well, because, oh, my God, I just interviewed, like, a lot of wrestlers, and if I interviewed Shane Douglas and Francine, oh, my God. That would mean the world. That would mean the world to me. Because then Michael's corner will begin will begin big. We're getting bigger, you know, than already is. Because I got to interview the honky tonk man, um, Jimmy Jacobs. Um, yeah, I got interviewed, and there are legends, and Honky Talk Man is a legend, and I got to interview him, oh my goodness, I think three, four years ago, oh my goodness, I just enjoy, um, interviewing, um, Honky Talk Man. It would mean the world if I had the opportunity to interview Shane Douglas and Francine. Absolutely. So, uh, it it, it yeah. would, 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 would be awesome. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've met Shane Douglas, and, uh, you know, it, it would be absolutely, it would be absolutely awesome. Uh, Renee, why don't you come in here? With whatever questions that you have, sir. Oops. Uh, I, I, I know that, um, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I say I want to thank you, Joe, for, for a bunch of great questions, and I, I want to thank you, Michael, for being here as well. Um, I know this is a long time coming. We talked about doing this, and, and I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen. Uh, so thank you for being here, man. Thanks for making time. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, awesome. Uh, well, listen, my, my first question is this. I know when we spoke, uh, there was something that was on your heart and your mind that you wanted to make sure that people uh, got out of this interview. So before we get too deep into the wrestling stuff, let's talk about that. Uh, you said to me that there is no shame in your game and that you have no problem uh, telling people that uh, you have a, 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 a situation that you deal with, uh, something uh, that, that causes you to have a disability. Um, even with that, you have pursued your, uh, your pro wrestling career, and, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully in the wake of that, 
you're opening doors for other people with disabilities to be able to live out their dreams and be able mm-hmm. to be in the world of professional wrestling. So tell us, yeah. what does it mean for you? How, how big is it for you to continue uh, to be in the sport that you love and possibly even opening up doors for other people? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I just, you know, in my, it feels good to still, you know, work in the wrestling business despite of my disability and and whatnot. And this is my, I just want people to fulfill whatever dreams that they have, you know, no matter what disability that they got, they got because let me tell you something, Renee. I am open out, open, opening doors for any any person that has a disability. If you want, if you want to do something in real life, just go for it. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something just because you have a disability. Now, I have faced a lot of criticism and a lot of controversy in the past. But you know what, Renee? I back my words up and I continue to do what I love, whether people like it or not. Because because if it wasn't for Kurt Oldenhall and so many people backing me up, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing today. And hell, I wouldn't even, even do this interview if if it wasn't, you know, people like my late friend Kurt or anybody else. So that's so I just want people to just do whatever their little heart desires to do. Because Well that that's that's go, amazing. That that's amazing and you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and uh and run the risk here and go ahead and ask you what what is specifically uh the disability that you're uh dealing with, Michael? Um, I have autism. I have autism. And I've been dealing with that since I was probably two and a half years old. And and um and um I don't know if everyone knows about this, but I do have autism. But I don't I don't I just don't. I just want to do what I love to do, no matter what disability that I have, because I'm not. Because I want people to look at me just to who I am, no matter what disability I have. You understand what I'm saying, Renee? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Michael. Thank you for sharing that with us and. And, you know, 
Uh, I know this isn't going to get the clicks and the shares like, you know, some of the other stuff. Um, but autism, for whatever reason, Joe, has always kind of been the calling of the WrestleTalk podcast. If you think mm-hmm. about it, man, it wasn't but a couple of shows ago that we were working with fighting for autism as they were getting yes. ready to do that show with Dynamo Pro Wrestling. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Duan, uh many years ago uh, on the show told us that, you know, that autism was something that was a big deal to him because one of his daughters uh, uh, suffers and, and deals with autism as well. So I don't know why mm-hmm. this, is, this is completely organic. This isn't like, it's not like we picked uh, uh, an illness or a disability that we're like, oh, yeah, that's going to be the thing. You know, like, it just so happens that seems to be a recurring theme here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, Joe. And I know that you uh, have some experience with it as well. Can you speak to that? And uh, how, how impressed you are with Michael and his ability to overcome it and still go after his, his dreams of being in, in professional wrestling? Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And somebody that has a disability him, himself, I have a learning disability, uh, you know, it, it's it's totally awesome to, to see Michael uh, not allow his disability to stop him from doing what he absolutely loves to do and his message is you know is is it's 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 very very uh, special and it's very very empowering and maybe his message will allow somebody else that has a disability to follow their dreams because if Michael can do it and if I can do it then they can do it you know what I'm trying to to say there yes uh I know I do. What do you, What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think I think yeah. I I I I agree too. You know, and um, yep. It's like like it's it's like I said. You know, what you know what? You know what if? And like I said, if you want to follow your dreams. If you want to do something in life, just go ahead and do it. Don't let people tell you any different because there are a lot of crazy people in this world that will tell you no. You can't do this or you can't do that. And you can't do this, you can't do that. And I just stuck with it, you know. I just continue to do what I love. I don't care what people say. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that has the problem, not us. Because I'm just going to continue to do what I love. <laughs> and hey, if they got a problem with it, so be it. Yeah. So, so freaking be it. Absolutely. Well, listen, here's the other thing uh, that I wanted to share uh, before we move on to another uh, wrestling question. Uh, was Joe is actually a referee out in, like, the Baltimore, Washington, D.C., West Virginia area, Pam. So, uh, uh, Michael, I should say, uh, Michael, Pam. Um, mm-hmm. So he's one of those guys like you that has overcome. So I knew that this would be something that would be very relatable, and I think it's absolutely incredible because you guys have to work twice as hard. You know, so for anybody yeah. out there who thinks that there's, like, an excuse – there's really not an excuse. Like, you just need mm-hmm. to go get it. You know what I mean? I know a dude in a wheelchair, 
that got his way into professional wrestling business. Shout out to my man, Colin mm-hmm. Propel, who was on uh, uh, watching us, I think, on the Facebook or YouTube a little bit earlier. Shout out to him. So don't mm-hmm. let nothing stop you. If, if, if something's stopping you and, and you really it's really within your control and you don't do something about it, you're just being lazy. Straight up. Would you guys agree yeah. with that? If, if you have the ability to do it. Again. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. Joe, what's up? What's up? Sorry, I, I had to leave for, for okay. a second. Okay, cool. I, I heard you. I heard you say something, and I, I didn't want to cut you off. Well, anyway, so yeah. let me go ahead and jump in uh, with another question uh, for Michael. So, Michael, I know you've had the opportunity to interview a lot of cool people. Uh, one of the guys that I wanted to ask you about is a guy that's just a great friend of the show. Um, actually, I'm going to talk to you about three guys, and I want to see what you tell me, okay? I'm going to name them, and you just give me a little bit uh, of your thoughts on each one. Uh, number one, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Duggan. Uh, number two, uh, n- number mm-hmm. two, uh, Kurt Gannon. And then number three, mm-hmm. Leo D. Those are the three guys that I want to hear your thoughts about, man. Okay. All right. Well, first off, let's talk about Danny Duggan. Because everybody knows who Danny Duncan is. Oh, my God. I interviewed him, like, twice. So I enjoy interviewing him because he's such a nice guy. He's one of the most down-to-earth guys I think I ever met in the wrestling business. Oh, what a – he'll tell you like it is. I just enjoy interviewing him. If I see him again at a wrestling show, you better believe that I'm going to get an interview from him again if I saw him. Now, next up, let's talk about Kurt Gaddy. Now, it's been <laughs> years. Oh, my God. You guys know who Kurt Gaddy is. I interviewed him, and oh my God, he's he's another down to earth guy that I ever met. He just tells it like it is, and uh, I really enjoy it. when when I first met him in person. Oh my God, I just hugged the man because that that was my first time, you know, meeting him in person. So it was at um it was at um Minnesota Extreme Wrestling when it was up and running at the time. So it was probably back in um November of twenty sixteen. So that I met him. So so I enjoy interviewing him. And lastly, oh my God, Leo G. Come on now. Oh, whew. I enjoy. Wait. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I haven't interviewed him yet. Leo D. Wait, so mm-hmm. you're going to be interviewing Leo D soon on Michael's Corner? Is that what you're saying? Um, Hopefully, hopefully, if he gets. Hopefully, when it gets down to Minnesota, 
I I gotta interview that man because you know what? I bet he has a story to tell me if I ever got the opportunity. So so hopefully if he's listening, he can maybe he'll get down to Minnesota so I can interview him. Because that will also be a great opportunity. Because he's another nice guy. So I would love to have him on Michael's corner. Khalil B., very listen to this interview, or this podcast. <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure he will, Michael. Uh, Leo D is a former guest of this show, and uh, we, we uh, have a great affection for him and his abilities inside the squared circle. We'll we'll do our best to make sure he gets that message. Well, Jonesy, I know we got to get into the shoot and shout segment, so why why don't you go ahead and tell Inter Timmy that. We're almost ready for that music because I got one last question, Michael. And here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, man, we're known for a lot of things, okay? More more than anything mm-hmm. else for our love of professional wrestling. But the other thing we're known for is for being straight shooters like Danny Duggan and occasionally asking some of the difficult questions. So mm-hmm. the question is, are you ready for the tough question of the night? Yes, sir. All right, let's get into the difficult question of the night, and here it is. Michael, I've been following you on your social media, your YouTube. Again, that's, um, you know, that's Michael's Corner on YouTube, our our buddy Michael Earl Pam, who obviously, you know, you guys have just heard his story. He deals with autism. Um, He's overcome that. Uh, He's living out his dream as as a interviewer. Uh, in professional wrestling, he's done some cameraman work. He's the two-time Minnesota Independent Pro Wrestling Fan of the Year. Two times, mm-hmm. two times, two times, like Booker T, except the fan <laughs> version. <laughs> right? So here's what I wanted to ask you, Michael, and I know this is a tough question tonight, and you said you were ready. So here's the question. Yeah. Because I'm such a big fan of yours, I get to see your best stuff and your worst stuff. On a couple mm-hmm. of different occasions, I've seen you get upset with other fans, wrestlers, and even promotions. We know you're a very passionate individual. Can you tell mm-hmm. us exactly what are some of those things that make you angry and why you felt like you needed to tell those people and put them in their place on social media? Um. Well, basically... Um... Because um, I want I don't want to bash bash on people on on this podcast, but um, there's this one wrestling promotion that likes to book the same wrestlers over and over and over again. I was like, come on, come on! I seen that match two years ago. I want to see new guys, new matches. I don't want to see the same matches over and over and over again. Come on now, Renee. I was like, come on. This, you know, fans like me, they want, we want to see new, new wrestling action, you know, a good wrestling match. We don't want to see the same, 
same guys on the same show every single day. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> and it's like I just want I just want people, you know, to just go to a wrestling show and enjoy themselves and instead of, you know, you know, the wrestling promoters just booking the same match, the same wrestlers over and over and over again because it gets boring and it gets boring from time to time. You know? And the fans don't want to see that. So if the fans were like, Tanny, this is awesome and all that jazz, then I'll know they got they are liking the show and, and people coming up to me and saying, oh, my God, Michael, this is the greatest show that I've ever seen in my life, you know? Because I've been there and I've done that. And, you know, I just want... I just want to see I just want to see new guys on on you know, on a show, you know, you know, and not the same people over and over and over again. You know what I mean, Renee? Dude, I, I know exactly what you mean. And uh, you know, part of me understands, you know, and part of me says, Hey, you know what? If there's a beef, see if you can't handle it behind the scenes first. But listen, each man handles his business as he sees fit. And, and for that reason, I think this is the perfect time to get into the closing segment of this interview. Michael Pam, it's been a, a great, great time, but we want to bring the fire out of you just one more time tonight during tonight's edition of the Real Soul Talk podcast shoot and shout segment. We view it as a little bit of a therapeutic segment. So if there's anything you need to get off your chest right here, right now, if you want to bury somebody or you want to put somebody <laughs> over, it doesn't really matter. You just got to bring the heat. We want you to join okay. us for tonight's edition of the Shoot and Shout segment. Sir, my question is, are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Enter Timmy. You know what to do, baby. Let's get into tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Oh my! 
segment here because you just hit a grand slam home run in the World Series. Man, let, that ends it right there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us in tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Uh, what? Yes, I can't. I cannot follow that. That was probably your best shoot and shout ever. That was fantastic, sir. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was good. And you know what? You know what's really great, Michael? Every once in a while, we have legends of the pro wrestling game uh, that like to call in and leave voice messages. And while Jonesy was going off, I shot a message to a certain pro wrestling legend uh, by the name of Iron mm-hmm. Sheik. And I asked him what he thought um, about Michael Myers not being in Halloween 3. Let's go ahead and play that clip. Fucking bullshit! It is. Michael's Corner on YouTube. If there was ever a worthwhile subscribe, it is Michael's Corner. Michael Earl Pam overcoming the odds, lifting the championship, and continuing to live his dream in the world of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give our guest, our new member of the Wrestle Talk podcast family, Michael Pam, a big round of applause. Make make some noise. Michael, any closing thoughts before we let you go tonight, man? Um, um, no. I think that's about all. That's all. That's that's it. I got no other questions. That is so. awesome. Jonesy, any thoughts before we let Michael go tonight? Uh, just thank you, sir, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to the uh, podcast and uh, uh, talk to us, with the, to us a little bit and tell us about your uh, uh, story in uh, professional wrestling, sir. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, episode 270 continues to roll on right after a brief intermission where we will come back with the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, the FWWC. We'll be back in two minutes and 20 seconds.
Y'all, what up? Night Owl, Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night out, nightmare jokes, and all the best jets. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalksPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom. Gentlemen, it is now time for the FWWC segment. This is the segment where the wrestlers from the FWWC come in and talk about what's been going on in the life of the FWWC. If you want to know what the FWWC is, it's fantasy wrestling. You got fantasy baseball, football, basketball, everything else. But now you got fantasy wrestling. This is for the wrestlers that don't have the ability to get into the ring or whatnot. Uh, you get to cut promos, you you get to go for a belt and whatnot. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to step away and I'm going to allow the night out to come in and do his thing so that La Familia doesn't take over the FWWC segment. Night out, take it away. Well, th- thank you very much, Josie. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to thank everybody who tuned in to the first hour of the WrestleTalk podcast. I want to remind you guys uh, that uh, we are also in conjunction with Rath Buns Engraving. That's right, Rath Buns Engraving in Osawatomie, Kansas. It is a mom-and-pop shop uh, to the nth degree, and we love them very much because they helped us uh, design and they help us produce the WrestleTalk Podcast mugs. That's right, the WrestleTalk Podcast mugs available right now at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. If you don't have one, just shoot me a DM. I'll give you a discounted price. We'll get it shipped to you. We'll make sure it's no more than $25 delivered to your hand. And you know what? T-shirts are great. I love them. I got a huge collection. But a beer mug, if you take care of it, it'll last you a lifetime. You can also use it for root beer floats and a hundred other things. So if you guys like things that last for a long time and you want to show support local, make sure you visit WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Go on over to the merch booth. Shoot us a message and we'll get you started with your customized WrestleTalk podcast mug. All that said, ladies and gentlemen, this is the FWWC segment, and it is going to be a great lead-up to our final interview of the evening because tonight's interview is a man who was in the trenches during the Monday Night Wars. That's right. A guy who was there in the front office playing a huge part on how things moved during that time period, and I'm talking about none other than the legendary Barry Norman. But before we get there, we have a couple of people on hold that are going to come on and talk to us about the Fantasy Wrestling Worldwide Chapter, the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. First and foremost, a man that's been with us since the beginning of the show, and we're about an hour and 16 minutes into this deal. So you want to talk about dedication, you're going to definitely find it within the FWWC and its members. Let's go ahead and bring on first our current FWWC Blue Brand Heavyweight Champion, Tank Westbrook. Tank, welcome back on the show. Didn't think we were going to hear from you twice tonight, man. What's on your mind, sir? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing, brother? I'm feeling great, sir. I'm glad that the segment is still intact. 
I know there was some controversy, and I was quite upset last week because I felt like I couldn't even do my job with Nightmare Jones coming in here, interrupting and trying to take everything over. Now we get an opportunity to hear from who really matters, and that's you, the competitors of the FWWC, because honestly, I haven't seen Nightmare Jones cut a promo in about four months, and that's not an exaggeration, okay? So let's hear from somebody who's actually handling their business in the FWWC. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to throw shade. I'm just saying I'm your Jones. It kind of killed me last week. So you got to give me that one, and then we can move forward. Tank, listen, what's on your mind, bro? Listen, Night Out, I, I completely 100% agree with you. You you know, there's times that you got to speak your mind, and speaking your mind about Nightmare Jones is perfectly A-OK with me. So here's here's uh, two things <laughs> I really want to talk about real fast. The first one, you were mentioning about the beer mugs, the beer glasses that, you know, we engraved. I want to tell you, yes, I still sir. have mine. I've been drinking out of mine. And let me tell you, it is the best quality I've ever seen. And uh, so if anybody, if anybody's honestly wanting, wanting one, head over to the, F- the, uh, to the Russell Talk podcast, you know, website, hit the submit button to buy your own. I'm, I'm being honest. It, they're, they're great. The second thing I want to talk about, Night Owl, I'm going to dedicate my match at the FWWC Crown Jewel. I'm going to dedicate it to you. You see, as myself, when I came back, I told told everybody in the FWWC, I'm here to make them great. I'm going to make myself great. I'm going to help them better themselves. I'm going to help me better myself. And what have I done? I became the FWWC Heavyweight Champion. And with that being said, I've helped with people getting themselves recognized and getting more talented and better better themselves. So, I, you know, unfortunately have a match tomorrow with none other than Nightmare Jones. And it's not unfortunately, actually. It, it's, it's there. It, I'm going to help him. I'm going to help him promo. I'm going to help him better himself. They, from now on, you will see a better Nightmare Jones. Yes, he turned his back on me. When he, when he was down and out, I literally showed him the best I could. His La Familia friends and family did something, got him to turn his back on me and back to the FWWC, and now he sees the evil in everybody and, and sees that, you know, he, can, he, he, he needs to do bad, which he doesn't need to. So I'm dedicating my match tomorrow to you. I'm going to also show Nightmare Jones that it, you don't need to be mean to people. You need to just be downright nice. So, Nightmare Jones, I know you're listening. Be ready for tomorrow because I'm going to show you what nice is all about. Well, thank you very much, Champ. We appreciate you uh, joining us. Uh, and you know what? You said the name three times, and I was hoping that you wouldn't because, you know what, even though we've come to an agreement that Nightmare Jones isn't going to confiscate and take over the show on behalf of El Mata Ratas and La Familia Worldwide, I can't help myself because you said it three times and now there's no way around it. It's like Beetlejuice. You say Beetlejuice three times, you get Beetlejuice. You say Nightmare Jones three times, you get Nightmare Jones. So, ladies and gentlemen, as an actual caller for probably the first time ever, instead of just jumping in here and taking the whole damn thing over, the one, the only Nightmare Jones of La Familia Worldwide.
All right, Nightmare Jones, I'm going to do my best to stay professional here. You created quite an uproar last week, confiscating the show. You're now on as an official caller. Can we try to show a little decorum here, please? Well, I guess my first question is, is Tank finally off of, of his knees? I mean, I've never seen a bigger ass kisser than Tank Westbrook. Oh, Night Owl, I'm going to dedicate this match to you because I have to make sure that you like me. I have to make sure that I'm liked in the FWWC. Gag me with a fucking spoon. You can take your hey, ass hey, you can fold it up in a ball and you can shove it so far up your ass that it comes out of your mouth. I don't care. I'm no, not a nice no, don't do this. I, I said I was a nice person. I'm never going to be a nice person. I don't need to be a nice person. I'm not an ass kisser like you are. I don't go and kiss then El Macha's ass like you do tonight. You don't see me saying, El Macha, I'm going to dedicate my match to you because I don't need to do that. I don't need to 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 have people like me and respect me and want to be my, my friend. The only thing that I need in my life right now is law familiar. And the reason I have any promos is because there's not a goddamn person in the FWWC that deserves to see a Nightmare Jones promo, plain and simple. Goodbye, sir. why I don't want Nightmare Jones to come on the show. He He's going to get us banned from the FCC, right? And, and we, we've kept the show fairly clean up to this point, though I take no accountability for when Barry Norman comes on because that guy, he can go. And once we get him going, he's going to go, and I make no promises about what you're going to hear when Barry Norman comes on. But Nightmare Jones is a savage beast, and I'm glad that I'm not an in-ring competitor because – the man is dangerous, and, and I want to heed this warning, and thank you, Tank. I, I know where you were coming from, man. You're definitely not an ass kisser, bro. You're definitely not an ass kisser, man. You're a hardworking dude, and that's the reason that you're a champion, and he's not. CK, thanks for the update, baby. Uh, getting feedback right now, AEW looking better than NXT so far. Keep it coming, folks. Keep it coming. I want to hear all the thoughts, and we want all the smoke here tonight on the Talk podcast with Joe and Renee. Make sure you guys continue to share this broadcast, man. That really means more to us than anything. If you can't do that or if you already did, tap the screen when the little hearts and the thumbs up fly. I swear to you, it really gives us motivation uh, to continue to work hard to give you guys the very best uh, Wrestle Talk podcast that we can. Tonight, episode 270, guys, you can't tell me that's not impressive. If nothing else, we've got some longevity on our side, man, and that is a great thing, a great, great thing. Well, um, up next, folks, uh, we have uh, another person that I'm a little hesitant to bring on, uh, but you know what? She's proven herself to be one of the hardest working people in the FWWC. I was maybe a little rude to her, but we've all agreed that there's going to be a little bit more professionalism during this segment. Though I am wondering, 
where the rest of the callers are. I'm waiting for at least two other people to call in that said they were. Um, but you know what? If we don't have time for you today, it's okay because uh, later this week, the FWWC Tonight, sponsored by the Wrestle Talk Podcast, which is a full hour of nothing but FWWC content. And I do believe we have a couple other callers on the line, so maybe that's them. Uh, but before we get to that uh, batch, we've got Hardcore Sis that's going to be joining us. And, and like I said, I was maybe a little rough on her last week, so I want to apologize for that and give her the opportunity to come on and tell us what's on her mind tonight. Good evening, Nine Al. How are you doing? Hola. Great. Nice to nice to talk with you tonight. You know, first off, I do want to say one thing, and that is that I do agree with Tank that the Wrestle Talk podcast mugs are some of the greatest mugs ever. You know, I have mine and I love mine. I, I use mine all the time. And you know, if you are a fan of Thank the you. FWWC you can even get your mug engraved with your favorite FWWC superstar's name if you'd like. I mean, My name how is, awesome would it Mine's engraved? I have one of those? It's awesome. I got one. Look, I'm right. showing it to the camera right now. Tell me that's not cool. Mine's engraved. Well, And it's great. And, you know, if you're a fan of, say, Hardcore Sis, and you wanted your mug to say Hardcore Sis, you can get that on your mug. Don't feel bad. Ooh. You can do it. Easy peasy. Exactly. So feel free to order your mug, have your name put on it, have your kid's name put on it, or have your favorite FWWC superstar's name put on it. So that when you watch us wrestle, you can hold your mug up when we win and say, that's my, that's mine, that's my guy or my gal. It's awesome. And you really need to get your own if you don't have one. Now, I do want to say that at Crown Jewel, I have a match against DJZ. You know, I haven't really had the pleasure to wrestle DJZ, so, you know, this is going to kind of be something new for me. This will be new competition. You know, I could really kind of bury him, being that he is SOS, but I'm going to be nice. I know for Hardcore Sis lately, that kind of seemed a little out of place, but I'm going to be nice and say, good luck, DJZ, because you're going to need it when you go up against the FWWC Women's Champion. There's a reason. I am a two-time hardcore champion and a two-time women's champion. So good luck tomorrow night. And, um, you know, good luck. That's all I can say except bless your heart. Well, listen, uh, hardcore sis, I got a quick question for you, and it's not FWWC related. Have you by any chance had the opportunity to catch any of the new NWA power content on YouTube? Just a total side note. I, I've, I've kind of seen a little bit of it, but, you know, nothing. I haven't really dwelled into it. It's something I've been let meaning me tell you to something. do. But... Let, me, let me tell you this. You need to go and watch episode four and look up James Storm. And, and I'm sure you already know who that is. I think Mm -hmm. James Storm is right up your alley. I think you would really enjoy him because I really enjoy him. But since you're that country girl from, uh, from, you know, from that West Virginia, Virginia area, I know that you would particularly enjoy that. You know how we do here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's all about spreading the love, introducing people to new wrestling. My buddy Caleb hit me up earlier. He's like, hey, I listened to the show. He's like, man, before I started listening to Wrestle Talk, all I ever watched was WWE. 
And now I watch a bunch of stuff on YouTube from the guests you've had on. Make sure you got you look that up, uh, uh, Hardcore Sis, because I think it's no, right up your alley. Huge shout-out to NWA Power. Actually, They're doing a fantastic job. I am actually a big fan of James Storm. You know, that song, that sorry about your damn luck, he is like yeah. one of my faves. <laughs> And, oh, and I so love good. his entrance music. That is like one of my favorite songs I used to play. That's one of my ringtones on my phone, even still. So, oh, so yeah, did I, I hit the nail right on the head or what? <laughs> yes, you did. You really did. And by the way, the beard's looking nice these days, Night Owl. You're doing a good job with that. I'm trying, I'm trying to make, do my best James Storm impression. I'll tell you what. Well, our course is... <laughs> You know, as a champion, we definitely want to make sure that we give you the time you deserve. So do you have any final thoughts before we move on to our last caller of tonight's FWWC segment? Nothing much, really, except to say that if anybody out there is listening, anybody in the WrestleTalk podcast family, you know, listen, if you've ever really wanted to get into wrestling and you just don't have the means to do it, check us out. Check out the FWWC. We're an awesome group of people, an awesome family, and not just La Familia as a family, but FWWC, we're a family, and we are awesome. We're great, and it's a lot of fun to be in us. And if you haven't checked us out as a fan on the page or if you haven't checked us out and and tried to be one of our wrestlers, you really need to because you're missing out on a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of excitement and some really great people to get to know we have watch parties you know in kansas city and we just have a blast and you would get to know some really great people so come join us because we always have room and open arms for new people and so just come join us come and join us says your current fwwc women's champion hardcore sis proud to have you on and you know what i have to admit you guys are doing absolutely great this week i know that the La Familia stuff it is always permanent. You know what I mean? It's always something that you're trying to get across. And, and listen, no disrespect, because I got to admit, the greatest faction of all time in FWWC history is La Familia. But we got to make room for other people. And that's really what my point was last week. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings or maybe went too far with, with my rant. But the bottom line is, this is more than just about La Familia. This is about the group as a whole. And I think Hardcore Sis did a great job of getting that across to the listeners. Well, uh, folks, we got time for one more FWWC caller. We might have a mystery caller right after that. And then right after that, we're moving on to our second featured guest of the evening. That is famed WCW publicist and uh, screenwright, uh, movie producer, and just all-around badass Barry Norman is going to be joining us here in just a matter of moments. So up next, we want to go ahead and bring on the one, the only, the former four-time FWWC Universal Champion, a man that resides in the jungle, the Battle Cat. Well, 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 it's been so long. You know, after I just threw up my contents of what I just ate, fuck it, after sitting there like three minutes listening to hardcore this. I can say I actually feel a little better now that she's not on the phone anymore. That much I can't say. So, how's everybody? Hello? Hello? 
seems that the night owl has uh, stepped away for a second, so you get the pleasure of talking to Nightmare Jones until night until the uh, night owl comes back. So, so what is up, Battle Cat? How are you doing, sir? Oh, how we doing it now, Jonesy? Really? Me, Jonesy, that's what we doing now. I thought we were so, better than that, Jonesy. Hey, I'm just trying huh? to be nice until the night owl comes back. I'm just here until the night all right, owl all comes right. back. All right, all right. Listen, I'm back. I'm back. Guys, it's all snowing. Right. It's all yours. It's windy. Wait a minute. We're back now. And listen, this is live radio, so that's how it goes sometimes. Don't worry. We're back. Battle Cat, you yeah, seem to have a huge problem with Hardcore Sins, but she's not somebody that you have to worry about facing right now. So, as briefly as you can, tell us what are your plans for FWWC Crown Jewel tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. This episode is on the episode named Screwjob, man. And let me tell you why. Because it was myself versus Theory versus Remy Ricks. But now, all of a sudden, my chances have gone. Down from 30%. And yes, yes, to 25%. Somehow, Saber Tank got himself added to the match. And I can tell you that. You ever ever play a game of Spades, Night Owl? Yes, I have. Okay, thank you. Now, you're familiar. I I know that Saber Tank has GMA in his back pocket, and he can pull the little spade card anytime he wants to. And, you know, essentially when you throw a spade in the game, a spade, the spade wins the match, right? You follow me, right? I do. But let me tell you, let me tell you one thing. There's always a card can trump a spade. So while Savior Saint may be the spade, let me just remind him of something. At the end of the game, the joke always wins, bitch. And right now, you're looking at the Joker. So if I think he did something, I'm going to one-up him. Plain and simple. He can be the spade all he wants to, but he just knows that at the end of the day, I'm the Joker. And the Joker always wins. My goodness. Well, an, an amazing insight to the psyche of the Battle Cat. Uh, we apologize for the funky connection. You know, we've got all kinds of thunderstorms down uh, uh, in, um, on the Treasure Coast uh, where Battle Cat is, and then we've got snowstorms up here in Kansas City. So we apologize for the choppiness. But nevertheless, I, I think Battle Cat is trying to make sure that everybody understands that one thing is rotten. It, 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 there's, a rotten there's a rotten apple in the bunch. And he believes that Marcus Mayhem and Saint are in cahoots against him. And he said that this show was aptly named Screwjob because he continues to get screwed by GM Mayhem. How that's all going to play out, I'm not 100% sure. But if you guys want to get involved, if you can't actually pursue your dream of becoming a professional wrestler yourself, whether it be for financial reasons or some sort of disability like we've talked about uh, at, um, to a certain extent tonight with autism when we talked to Michael Earl Pam. The FWWC is the place to be. WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Go to the Fantasy Wrestling tab. 
for more information on how to join the roster. Uh, all that said, thank all of you guys who called in tonight. An absolutely fantastic segment. But we need to transition, Nightmare Jones, and I know you're excited just like I am. Uh, there is a certain era of professional wrestling that is more near, near and dear to my heart than any other, and that is without a shadow of a doubt the Attitude Era. Now, I, I was born in 1984, and so when I was coming up, you know, anything that happened between 1990 and 2000 is like my favorite, right? So there was a guy that played a, a huge role and was really knee-deep in everything that happened during the Attitude Era, and this man continues to make waves 25 years after the fact. Nightmare Jones, I know we've been excited. We've been talking about it, you know, in our own chat, and the time has finally come. Intern Timmy, cue up the music as we welcome in for the very first time, right here on episode 270 of the WrestleTalk podcast, a man simply known as Barry Norman. What's up, show? Hey, guys. Welcome to the show, Barry. What's up, brother? It's really snowing there? Yes, it's cold as balls, dude. Well, that is Kansas, but I didn't think it was snowing already. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha. Well, thanks a lot. And and listen, I know you'll get a kick out of this. So my parents uh, live in Boca Raton. I know we talked about that on the phone. They were actually here this weekend. They had the luxury of being able to pop in kind of last minute. You know, kind of like your neighbor down the street will pop in every once in a while. My parents just popped into a flight and popped in all the way over here to Kansas City. And when they left here, it was snowing. And when they got back to uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, it was 89 degrees. So when you giggle, just know that cuts me deep, Barry. It cuts me very, very deep because it's cold as balls in Kansas City right now. Well, you you can move. I mean, I moved to Florida twice and also left Florida twice. (laughs) Well, you know what? I I might do that, uh, and when I do that, maybe I'll invest in, like, a Cadillac and I'll, you know, go eat breakfast at, at, um, was that, Hooligans or or Flanagan's or wherever the hell all the old people go eat down in South Florida. Maybe someday. (laughs) Maybe someday. Uh, But for now, man, we have the pleasure, the distinct pleasure of having you on the show. And I know in our conversations, man, we covered a lot of different topics. So I asked myself, I was like, man, what do we even start with, right? So let's start with the now and then move backwards because I think what you have going on now is just as interesting as everything that you did back then. So what have you been up to, Barry? Well, uh, I've been up to quite a bit. Right now I'm helping uh, produce uh, my my good friend Sid Vicious uh, podcast, Vicious Circle. Um, I also wrote my first play a few months ago called Screwjob about the <clears throat> the Montreal Screwjob, all written in Shakespearean language. So uh, those are the two things I'm doing. And I'm also uh, writing uh, Sid's um, autobiography called Poetry in the Sand. So just like the mafia, every time I try to get out of wrestling, it pulls me back in. Pulls me back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Well, listen, 
I want to touch on the, the play first um, because uh, SE Scoops even picked that up, uh, which is a, a fairly well-known um, uh, um, wrestling media outlet these days. Uh, they said that when you wrote it, you used alternative names for the characters represented in the Shakespearean version of the Montreal Screwjob. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to what names you maybe adjusted to adapt to the play? Well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm so old now, I forget things that I wrote. Uh, I remember the, the main character uh, I named Hombre, uh, no, which is no, uh, no, uh, a Bret Hart's character. Um, All right. And let's, what, what were some of the other characters' names I called? Well, you had Vince McMahon. Oh, my McMahon. God. What? Well, I know you had Vince McMahon as part of the screenplay. Do you remember what uh, nickname you gave him? I, I, I can't remember. I can't believe I can't remember. I only wrote this a few months ago. This shows how bad my memory I can't remember something I wrote myself. I'm trying to remember what I called what you mean, no, uh, no, uh, you mean you don't have the script sitting in front of you right now? You gotta be kidding me right now. <laughs> I don't. I, it's in my computer, which I shut down. <laughs> I'm usually not up this late. This is how boring I've become. Welcome to life in the sixties. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. Well, let me ask you this then. So, what prompted you to want to do this? Like, how, were were you sitting late, you know, somewhere on your patio, you know, one of those beautiful late evenings in South Florida with a bottle of wine, and you're like, you know what? It'd be great to mix Shakespeare and pro wrestling. Like, what what inspired you to write the screenplay? Oh God, that it's such a better story than the actual story. Uh, it, it was basically a combination of the two things. You no, know, Sid and I, you know, we talked virtually every day about the podcast that we hadn't yet started producing and about the book. And of course, um, you know, Viceland, which is his favorite channel, you know, was having that, um, you know, that, that series. You no, know, uh, what, what was it called? Wrestling the Dark about all like the really horrible stories that happened in pro wrestling. And the Montreal yeah. Screwjob was one of them. So I don't know why it just got me to thinking about it. And I think I also read this magazine article um, uh, recently uh, before I wrote it that said that if Shakespeare was alive today, he'd be writing for professional wrestling because there's so many similarities into a Shakespearean play and what professional wrestling is. So then it got me to thinking, and then I started thinking about you know, the Montreal Screwjob, and also I said, oh, my God, that is actually the most representative thing that Shakespeare could ever possibly have been involved with, if he had been involved with it. You have uh, possibly you no know, double cross, you no know, du- no st- du- double double crosses, secret double probation double cross. You have a person who's <laughs> running over a kingdom, right, a fiefdom. Uh, you have you know, people trying to stab him in the back. Yeah, he's trying to stab everyone back and said, oh, my God, this is as Shakespearean as it gets. And the whole idea is that nobody really knows exactly what happened. Was it this? Was it that? Is also Shakespearean. So I just started you know, you know, reading old Shakespearean plays to try to get myself in the language, and it just started coming to me. I, I just started writing out as if I you know trying to give both uh, no sides, no, you know, equal script. I mean, what really happened there? But actually going right along what actually did happen, but because Shakespearean plays has a lot of monologues and things like that. So everyone has these very, very long monologues about, you know, trying to convey their thought process. And it's the, the idea that, uh, um, that everyone is trying to figure out exactly what to do in this horrible situation. So it just kind of came out and it was, it's really, really difficult. Um, so I kept on going back to old Shakespearean, well, old, that's, that's kind of redundant. Of course they were old. He wrote them in the 1600s. Um, to try to get the language down, and it just seemed to fit. 
so I just you know kept on writing it, and and there you have it. I write you know, I've, I've written two books, so it's not like I'm not, I'm I'm not a writer, but I've never written a play before, and I certainly never wrote anything in Shakespearean language, and that's what came out. So I I just called my you know, an old friend of mine, Mike Mooneyham. He used to do the wrestling column in the Charleston you know, Post Gazette. And he did a story on it, and then I guess it was picked up by no, no, SE Scoop, which I never heard of before until you brought it up. And so I, I, I checked that up, and it says, yep, there it is. So two sources, you know, picked up the story. Uh, I'm still trying to pitch it, you know, to various uh, productions, uh, you know, various, uh, you know, play producers, uh, uh, and see if, if someone wants to actually do this. There's been some interest, but nothing yet. But you no, know, that's how that came about. But I, I like your story about Invoker Tan and, and, and women and, and drinking a lot better than mine. So I'm going to use yours. Now. <laughs> that sounds more glamorous, doesn't it? <laughs> well, well, listen. And, and I wanted more. to bring. <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure that I could at least give a couple of examples. So I went ahead and pulled the story from uh, sescoops.com. That's sescoops.com. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a couple just uh, short sentences here. It says, characters slightly altered. Characters in the play are based on real-life players involved in the Montreal Screwjob. Their names are changed in the play, however. The the McMahon family is renamed McNugget, with family members Vic, Sophia, and Shame. That's Shame with an M. (laughs) Now I'm remembering (laughs) And with a court jester character named the Dunk of uh, Dunk the Fool, as uh, as it is based on the Mon- on the actual Montreal school job, you know how the two camps feel. But it paints a more Shakespearean picture of who is actually right. The promoter, who uh, who is named Ombre, which you uh, already told us that, and now wants him to do something in the interest of the promotion, or Ombre, who will, who while grateful, feels his years of hard work can't allow his character to lose in the suggested manner. Both seek out counsel what to do, and these take place in a series of monologues and silhouettes leading up to the actual match. So hopefully one day somebody will help finance and make this actually happen. Who knows? This could be the next big show on Broadway, right? Well, but that's just having you describe it. Yeah, I'd watch that. Hell yeah, Joe! Oh. What do you think, bro? I'm down for that. Guess what? Guess what? The, uh, now I remember. Really? Guess what the name of the referee was? What was the name of the ref? The Earl of Hebner. <laughs> <laughs> See, some of the names write themselves. You know, uh, one of the writers that they asked to you know to, you know, to, uh, to write the school job. You no, know, you know, his name was Cornet because that was a you know an actual musical instrument back there. So some of the names are just too perfect. <laughs> so how about how about this line? How about ombre screweth ombre? <laughs> uh, oh, I can't get enough of this. This is gold. Uh, Nightmare Jones, my my cohort, my partner. My, my uh, you know, my Luigi to Mario or Mario to Luigi, depending on what day it is. Why don't you jump in here with Barry, man? I know you got a series of questions that you're uh, chomping on the bit to get out. Hit me. Hope I can remember what I those do. Like them. I'm, not, I'm not doing so good with something <laughs> I just wrote a few months ago. <laughs> I do. I, I, I do. Um, so looking through your uh, – uh, bio that 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 we have the, the the information that we have. Um, I see that that at one point in your career you were hired 
by WCW. What was it like to work for WCW? It was. It was. I mean, it was really a, a roller coaster ride. I mean, it was the, the, the highs were fantastic. I was the public relations manager, and the good thing was is no one really knew what a public relations manager for professional wrestling did or was supposed to do. So I was able to just figure out things, you know, you know at the go along. So I got. I got people, you know, parts in TV shows and films. I know I got them on Family Feud. Uh, I got, you know, Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller to write a, uh, an article in PC Computing Magazine. And then there was the lows. I absolutely did not get along at all with Ole Anderson or, or Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I mean, part of it I can, I can understand. I didn't come from a wrestling background, so it wasn't like I worked for the NWA or Georgia Championship Wrestling or any other promotion. I was 32, you know, when I was hired. I wore a suit, which they hated. So they had no idea, and all of a sudden I have an office you know, next to all of theirs. And so those guys, I you know, they absolutely despise me, and I ended up you know, hating them you know, as, as much right back. And some of the guys could be difficult, but a lot of them I found a lot of fun working with. So it was overall, it was a great experience because I was able to do things and meet people that I never would have thought I had a chance of meeting. Um, I, I actually you know, talked to Vincent Price on the phone once when they asked me to you know, see if I can get a replacement for Elvira, who was always doing the promotions for uh, Halloween Havoc, pay-per-views. And it was like, how do I get a hold of Vincent Price? And I actually had a pretty good Rolodex, and I got through with his manager, and then one day I get a call at my office, and a voice just came in my head, hello, is this David Norman? This is Vincent Price. He freaking calls me back, and then he starts apologizing profusely that he wouldn't be able to do the promotions because of his health and how sorry he was. And it was just so sad to hear this you know, iconic you know, voice, if you can't possibly mistake, apologizing to me because he can't do a promo for our, you know, our freaking uh, you know, pay-per-view. So it, it was a very, very cool experience a lot in a lot of ways. Um, like I said, a lot of it was, was not so pleasant, but, but I, I, I loved it overall because I had a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom to be creative figure out how to do things, figure out how to, you know, pitch media. And so it, it, was, it was an amazing experience. It had, like anything else, had some, some serious downside. But overall, I really, really loved doing it. Absolutely. It sounds like like, like a great uh, a, a experience. Now, not only have you been in the professional wrestling business, but you have over 25 years in the film industry as a filmmaker. Can, can, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, uh, filmmaking experience that you, you, you had? Sure. Well, I, I've made uh, you know, six films, you know, five features and one short film. Uh, the uh, Four of the features I made with uh, a guy who actually wrote a very, very famous book called Feature Filmmaking at Used Car Prices. Uh, that's the book that uh, some famous directors like uh, Kevin Smith, who did Clerks, that's the book he picked up and decided that that's how he's going to make Clerks. And Vin Diesel, uh, actually, you know, uh, his mother gave him the book as a present, and he calls that one of his biggest um, influences. So when I decided to become a filmmaker, I bought that book, you know, tracked down Rick Schmidt and uh, called him, and uh, we, we ended up making our first film together. Now, the, the way he makes films, which I love making films this way now, and Hopefully, I'm planning on making one uh, next year uh, with Sid Vicious. And Eddie Deason, uh, Eddie played uh, Eugene in the film Grease, and he was also in War Games, and he was the voice of Mr. Know-It-All on the Polar Express. So oh, anyway, yeah. so yeah, so I, I started making films um, in, in 1995. Uh, my most famous film was, was actually uh, the only short I made. 
And it's one of the most pirated films ever. And the reason it got pirated is uh, my, my main star was Mick Foley, but he's not the reason it got, it's been pirated all over the place. I cast a very, very young actress based out of Atlanta who's now a big star in the TV show The Walking Dead. So once people started finding that, now, oh, here's you know, the, the, the actress that plays Carol in The Walking Dead. I bet she did a long time ago when she was young and with long hair. So it started getting you know, you know, pirated you know, through the Internet, and just it's been seen everywhere. And every now and again when I'm bored, I would Google it. Uh, the film is called Deadbeats, and I'll find a whole bunch of new websites dedicated to it. So it was strange because I made a total of $2.43 on it, and, and, the, and the, <laughs> the distributor that – yeah, the distributor actually spelled my name wrong on the check, so I've never cashed it. But it's been seen and reviewed everywhere. It's been reviewed you know, by, by you know, South Korean reviewers and German reviewers, and some love it and some hate it. Uh, but you know, So that, that was my, my, my most famous film, and I thought it was going to get somewhere because Mick was in it, and this was just before he went to the WWF you know, from WCW. But it was all because of Melissa McBride. Uh, and so in addition to, you know, to the films that I've made, I also you know, founded uh, you know, two film festivals in Georgia, um, so I, 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 I actually, uh, up until July, I actually owned my own movie theater for the last nine years in, in a little town in Maine. So I've been you know, heavily involved in film for the last 25 years. And I said, hopefully I'm going to be making another, another one of those films, you know, five days, no script with, uh, with Sid Vicious and Eddie Deason, because I just figured you put those two together. You know, Eddie basically invented the nerd character in film. Uh, put those two together for a film with no script for five days, and it's going to be very, very odd. So... So that's the next project I'm trying to do. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. You know, and 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 it's funny how some of the the smallest movies can can be you know so insanely popular. You know, look at the uh, Paranormal Activity movie. It literally cost him like I think it was like five thousand dollars to make, and it made like over millions of dollars. So you know, just the, the fact that you have this movie that has been pirated, you know, it, it sucks that it's been pirated, but it's such a popular movie you know, that that's just absolutely amazing. Well, it, it actually has a couple of other weird stories behind it. I, I only had I only had Mick for three days. I didn't have I actually wrote the film as a full length feature. But I only had Mick for three days. I didn't really have enough money to make it a full length feature, so I only made it a thirty minute short. And so that's when I started sending it around to uh, different studios. And uh, Screen Gems, which has been a, you know, a movie studio and a TV you know, a studio for years, I mean, they produced you know, the Three Stooges shorts. Uh, they produced the, the, the TV show Bewitched. Uh, they, um, they, they, at the time, when I, when I uh, sent this film to them, uh, they were trying to get back into you know, uh, being filmed, uh, doing film again. So they fly me up to New York, and I have a meeting with you know, the president of the company, and the first thing he says is how much he loved Deadbeats, and then he starts you know, recasting it for the, for, uh, for the feature. And he says he sees Mickey Rourke in the lead. Now, this is years before Mickey Rourke actually started in the film The Wrestler. So, I'm, so that, that was pretty interesting you know, that, he, that he saw you know, the, the, the part that Mick did and, and saw Mickey, uh, Mickey Rourke in it. So I'm thinking, oh, God, they're, they're actually going to make this film. They're, uh, they're going to remake it. They're already casting in their mind. Uh, they never did, but what they ended up doing was they ended up building a brand-new movie studio in, um, in in North Carolina, and I was considered to be the first president of the studio. I actually – they said they, they really saw me and possibly in that role, and I actually lost out to Frank Capra Jr. 
know, the son of Frank Capra, the famous director that did movies like It's a Wonderful Life. So, you know, Deadbeats, I mean, the, the movie did get me this uh, this interview in New York with a studio, and then it almost got me you know, a job as heading up to a brand new studio. So, it, it's had a weird, you know, uh, life for me. I mean, like I said, it's, it's still out there. I, I know every bill collection agency because that's what the movie's about. Uh, what, the worst job I ever had was being a bill collector for one month. So, that's what I made the movie about. And every bill collection uh, you know, agency in the country has also seen it because how many movies are made about bill collectors? So it's it's been like it's been it's been a weird ride since I made it in '95 as, as far as everything that it's done. The fact that it's seen this you know, this other life now that I'm I'm not making any money on, but people at least have seen it. So who knows what'll happen with it, you know, going forward? Absolutely, absolutely. What what an amazing amazing story. Uh, Renee, why don't you come in here with whatever questions that you have left, sir? Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Thank you. Uh for those uh, great round of questions, Joe. Well, Barry, I, I want to jump right into it because there was a guy that you mentioned uh, that I uh, have dubbed personally, just just me, uh, the most believable heel in the history of professional wrestling, and that is a man that, that is a close personal friend of yours, and I'm talking about Sid. Uh, most people will know him as Psycho Sid. Can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with him and why you guys have the connection that you have? Well, obviously met when I was at WCW, you know, as the publicist, and of course, since he was a, uh, one of the biggest stars at the time, you know, I had to get to know him so I can try to, you know, you know, get media to talk with him, get him to do things for us, and he was extremely aloof. Once again, when he first knew me, you know, uh, when I first started with the company and I didn't develop my Rolodex, the, the first thing I did was whenever we had a house show in some small town, I would try to get local media you know, to, to talk with one of the guys. Either they, They'd have to call in like at 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning for a radio show from you know, early morning drive time or some local paper would interview them. And none of them wanted to do that crap. So whenever they saw me coming, they, a lot of them would just run the other way. You know, this, until I developed a Rolodex, the next time they saw me, it might be getting them on, on MTV or something like that. So Sid was avoiding me like the plague, and I asked around, how do I get him to even talk to me? And someone just said, well, I'll just mention softball to him. So I, I actually you know, I met up with them at a time when Elvira was doing those promos you know, for, for Halloween Havoc, and I went to him, hey, Sid, and I said, I said, I hear you like softball. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, CNN has a team. I said, you were for a turn to broadcasting. I said, you, you can play with us. He goes, all right, cool. So he actually did. He played one game for us. Uh, he went five for five. He hit five home runs, which is interesting because they had a, a four uh, home run limit. And the reason he was able to get the fifth home run is he hit a ball so hard that it took the center fielder's glove right off over the fence. So after we played softball, you know, that was the only game we played together, we became friends and we actually started hanging out. You know, he'd, you know, he'd like me go over to his house and his wife's house and you know, we'd, we'd go out to dinner, things like that. And I just got to know him a little bit, you know, outside of what, what he's like in the ring, which is completely different. Uh, he's, he's not that guy at all. He's, you know, he's very, very intelligent. He has a lot of interest besides just softball, uh, you know, very much into music. And we just, you know, you know, stayed friends over the years, got you know, very, very close. And then even when I moved to Maine uh, nine years ago and bought that theater, he called me virtually every single day, you know, to find out what, what to you know, you know, how's it going, what movie do I have playing. And he asked so many questions over the nine years because he became interested in the whole idea of what's it like running a, a movie theater, a, a, an art house movie theater in a small town. And he asked me so many questions and we talked so much about it. He could probably run uh, know, a small movie theater you know, this day because he just was so interested and learned so much about it. 
So we, we just you know stayed in touch, stayed in contact, always you know, always talked two, three, four, five times a week. Now of course I'm I'm writing his biography and and you know producing his podcast, and then next year we hope to do this film together. But he's just a fascinating guy. He's just like I said, he's like you'd expect. Not everyone lives the gimmick, you know, like like Ric Flair did. And a lot of them were very, very different than, than the characters he played you know, in wrestling. And it's just so easy to pigeonhole Sid because what of what he looks like, he is extremely tall. He is you know, huge. And you know, he is very, very southern from, from West Memphis, Arkansas, so he does talk with a southern drawl. And it's just so easy to you know, say, oh, this is just you know, another pro wrestling meathead. And he's not. I mean, I, we, we talk politics. We talk all kinds of things. He just has a lot of interests. So... That's how you become a good friend uh, away from the thing that you know him from. So uh, we just became, you know, you know, good friends that started from wrestling, then into softball, and then we just started to learn uh, about each other. And you no, know, twenty-five. Let's see, is it twenty-five? So I met him in 30, uh, thirty years later. You know, we're we're still friends. Well, I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to um, to build relationships like that, and then for them to last over the long haul. Um, obviously there's always a yin to the yang, a tails to the head. So maybe can you share with us about um, some of the guys that you had the opportunity to work with that maybe you didn't build a relationship with that was still kind of cool to be able to work with. I know you talked uh, about Dusty Rhodes and Ole Anderson maybe not necessarily being your biggest uh, uh, fans, but I'm sure there's a ton of other guys that you got an opportunity to work with. I mean, there was a there was a stint of uh, Mick Foley in WCW. Uh, there was a stint of Steve Austin in WCW. Do you have any recollection of some of those other stars that you got an opportunity to work with and maybe have some uh, fond or maybe not so fond memories of? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, Sting and I got along pretty well. Once again, he was no, he was the face, no, literally uh, of WCW back then, which means he had the most demands put on him, no, no, including by me. But he soon saw that you know, a lot of the things that I was doing, that even if they seemed like a pain in the ass, were helpful to you know towards the company. And he was you know, he was very much a company man. And then I got him some cool stuff, like a like a part on a TV show called uh, Super Force, which was like a, a RoboCop ripoff. Um, so he was cool to work with. Uh, another guy I actually really had no problems with and enjoyed working with was Brian Pillman. He Never complain. Anytime I ask him to do something, uh, you're going to call this radio station at 5 in the morning. Okay. I, 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 you're, you're going to do this photo shoot for Tiger Beat magazine. Okay. He, I mean, so once again, uh, I had no idea that he was this totally other person, uh, that he was this completely, absolutely, completely psychotic. I mean, I heard stories from the other guys about him that just, you know, will, will curl your hair. But with me, he was extremely nice, uh, very, very, very cooperative, so I, I got along with him extremely well. Uh, the Steiner brothers were also interesting. I got along really, really well with Rick. Uh, Scott was kind of a meathead, um, so so he 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 was difficult. But Rick was you know, was was very very nice. Once again, a, a lot more intelligent than obviously than his character. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I got along pretty well with uh, Z-Man Tom Zank. Although every time he saw me, he goes, "What the hell is a Z-Man?" You know, he didn't understand what that that gimmick was. Uh, uh, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, he, I, I said. Did, I said. Well, I guess if you were ever in a college frat, you know, like people always give you some stupid nickname based on your on your name. You know, hey, Z Man. So he he never quite <laughs> caught that. So that's what, he always used to ask me that what what that means. Um, uh, the Road Warriors. I used to always uh, uh, 
uh, piss them off in a fun way. Just before they they have to go out to wrestle, I would start talking like Cliff Clavin, you know, from uh, from the TV show Taxi. So they they're trying to get in the character before they know they they made the entrance for a match. And I go, yeah, it's a little known fact that the the road warriors were actually uh, named by a, a Jewish grandmother, and they called it the road warriors. And they start cracking them. They go, you bastard, stop. <laughs> <laughs> they were pretty cool. Um, let's see. Uh, George Gonzalez, you know, El Gigante, you know, the, uh, the Argentinian basketball player who was seven foot seven, drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. And then they found out that he had bad knees and liked to shoot three-pointers, so that's why they sent him over to WCW. And I got him a huge article in the uh, National Enquirer. So, and and they, they sent me the article because they, they quoted me with all kinds of you know, silly lies just to make sure I could sign off on it. So my sister was most proud of all the things I did that her, her little baby brother was actually mentioned a few times in a National Enquirer article. Um, let's see. Um, uh, Mike Rotunda I got along uh, really, really well with. Uh, his gimmick when he was doing that computerized wrestling in the 90s you know, with uh, Terry Boatwright, who would later marry you know, Dustin becomes you know, Terry Runnels and fall right. over in, in WWF. Uh, that gimmick actually gave me some of my biggest you know, uh, you know, PR things. That's the, that's the guy I got uh, um, you know, a pen of a pen to let a pen and teller to do an article about in PC Computing Magazine. Uh, Inside Edition uh, did a big, you know, once again, they treated the gimmick like it was real, like Mike Rotunda really is fabulously wealthy. And, and so I, I was able to you know, rent a, a penthouse apartment in the, in the Waldorf Astoria in New York and rent him a Rolls Royce because, of course, he's going to drive in, in, in a limo and uh, a cover story in USA Today. So he and I got along pretty well because that gimmick did so well you know, for, on the PR side. Uh, no, Kevin Nash, uh, when he first came, and they gave him one bad gimmick after another, like Oz, you know, Vinny Vegas. But I, I got him cast in the movie, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2 as Super Shredder. So, you know, we became a friend. Then right after no, wait a minute. No, no, let, me, let me stop you right there. Let me, let me stop you right there because I know when we talked right. on the phone, that was one of the things that you brought up that I was like, no freaking way. So let's go back to the Ninja Turtles 2 Shredder deal. I did not know this, so can you repeat that for the listeners of the rest of Talk Podcast? Who was Super Shredder in that movie? And then I know you also said to me that there was a professional wrestler under the hood with the uh, Bebop and Rocksteady uh, gimmick as well, which were two minions. Uh, they were created by the Ooze, right, that, that uh, Shredder got his hands on. To, uh, to hopefully defeat the Ninja Turtles, which, you know, thankfully they were not able to accomplish that, right? Um, because we've had a lot of subsequent Ninja Turtles content since then, thankfully, because I'm a big 90s kid. But can you just just highlight that for us a little bit? Because that's our demographic, you know, like 18 to 35 or 45 or whatever. The the Ninja Turtles thing, how did you, what part did you play in that and who was who? Well, once again, once I started, once I started really getting you know, involved in the job, I would read all the, the trade ma- uh, magazines to find out what you know, what movies were casting. So I saw that you know, the, the casting agency for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you know, uh, 2 was actually uh, in North Carolina, and they were looking for really, really, really huge muscular guys. So uh, I, we, we, you know, we had two that fit the bill, you know, Kevin, who was almost you know, Kevin Nash, who was just shy of seven feet and really huge, and of course Sid. Now, I did, unfortunately, the right thing, I thought, as, as I went to Ole Anderson, who was you know, the head book at the time, and he goes, I, I'm, I'm 
is, is there anyone that that I that I shouldn't know uh, no send them? And he goes, yeah, do not send them no Sid's picture or anything like that because Sid is a lot you know, bigger in the company than Kevin. So if he have to get the part, we can't spare him. We can't spare Kevin. So I told Sid that way, and he goes, son of a bitch. You know, that's what may have lost out of the part. But that's how I got Kevin the part is I sent him, you know, a, a, a glossy, you know, with, with, uh, with, with uh, his stats on the back. They then brought him in for, for an audition, and that was that. You know, he got you know, hired as a as super shredder that had, you know, the one line, and it's so big. And I I assume that's part of the reason that Vince McMahon decided to pick him up, because like I said, he was in one bad gimmick, you know, after another. You no know, with the WCW between the things only when Dusty did with him. And then after the contract right. ran out right after that movie, that's when he goes, you know, over WWF and becomes, you know, Diesel and Big Daddy Cool and, and all that stuff and becomes a big star. But um, before that, I mean, I mean, uh, another thing I used Kevin for was I, I got a call from a Ted Turner's secretary says uh, his daughter is, is getting married and he wants to have a wrestler kidnap uh, his daughter at this place where he thinks her bachelorette party is, is being held and take her to his, where the real party was. So I asked Kevin if he'd do it, and this is a place called the Buckhead Diner. Buckhead, no, uh, no, Atlanta is like the real, no, no super yuppie place it was back then. So yeah, I've been, yeah, Diner Buckhead is the real, no, it's, it's where all the cool yuppies you know, hung out. Yeah. So you know, yeah. he, he went in there with just his wrestling tights in this place, you know, you know, bare chested, and I point out, you know, Ted Turner's daughter, she picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, and throws in a car, got to take her to a real party. <laughs> That has got to be one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. And I'll tell you what, I, I wanted to make sure that the listeners got an opportunity to hear that because there is so much backstory in professional wrestling, so many different perspectives, so many different voices, uh, that I think it's important for everybody to understand how expansive it is. And the growth of it uh, um, is, is in big part to guys like Barry Norman who were the publicists and guys who work in the background and make sure that these connections are made with all the media outlets outside of, you know, people that consider themselves to be wrestling fans. So I got to ask you this last question, Barry, uh, before I throw it back to Joe. You, you mentioned Brian Pillman. We've had Brian Pillman Jr. on the show. I know you were in WCW uh, during kind of its heyday, and now we're seeing a EW, uh, maybe a competitor that's looking to vie uh, for, you know, some pro wrestling limelight versus the big dog WWE. What are your thoughts on the current state of wrestling? And with that curiosity, after that curiosity, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Well, uh, the state of wrestling is no sport or entertainment entity is going to do well if it's a monopoly. So the fact that WCW basically went under and was sold to Vince and eliminated his biggest competitor, I think hurt wrestling. Just like anytime you don't have anyone pushing you or, or challenging you, you're, you're going to get complacent. You're going to get lazy. And so I and the fact that uh, no, uh, no Vince basically killed all the other promotions all over the country. So there wasn't a feeder system where people can actually learn the craft, get better at it before they can you know, technically get promoted to the, the big leagues was killing wrestling. So the fact is actually now another you know, entity that's come in, and I, I know a lot of the people that work there were old you know, WCW people. I mean, Tony Schiavone's there, you know, uh, Jim Ross is there, 
Uh, I believe Neil Pruitt, uh, he was our one of our top writer producers at WCW, uh, is there. So, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing that, and I haven't seen too much of them, but I understand what they're doing is they're giving young talent a chance. They're trying to basically develop their own roster. There's, there's obviously some people who, who uh, like, like Chris Jericho, who's been around for a while, but the idea that they're actually you know, developing young people to try to you know, come up with their own style, and uh, one of the things I, I think you told me about, or, or some, someone did, which, like I said, I haven't watched it that much, is but before the matches, they're actually showing one loss records. And I thought, wow, that, that's actually a good thing, because when you think of all the years of how many, uh, um, how many you know, dusty you know, finishes there were and, and, and draws and, and disqualifications, I never liked. So the idea that they're actually trying to show this, though, that every match means something. So I think uh, that maybe, I don't know if the word renaissance is the right word, but if, I, I think it might come, you know, come back to the point where, where, where people are going to be seeing that the, that there's different styles. It's different. It's just like trying to watch the you know, the American League versus the National League. Some people hate the the, the D8. Some people like it. At least it gives you some some variety. And now the World Series with the two entities no no hook up. So I think it's a really really good thing that there's another promotion that's gotten uh, you know, a good TV contract with TNT. I understand a lot of their first you no know, uh, pay per views have sold out. They're obviously in smaller venues. But it's a good thing. You have to have a competition, uh, to, and like I said, and it's going to be good for people vying to you know for a spot because now there's another promotion that they can you know, they can aspire to and and then get national exposure and and do well. And so hopefully it's going to be making a comeback. I mean, it was obviously huge in the, um, in the '90s when WCW and, and and WWF were competing heavily in the Monday Night uh, Wars. When WCW was kicking their butt for, for months, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know, Vince comes back. That's healthy. And when all of a sudden you have uh, you know, choices and you, and you can you know, see a difference, and if there's one style that you like better than the other, and it makes the other have to think more and, 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 and really think of storylines and angles and really think of, of, of a production. So it's, it's just better when, uh, when you have competition. So, like I said, I, I haven't been watching it that much, uh, but I'm starting to you know, pay attention because I hear other people talking about it. At, at where I live here, I saw a guy the other day with a, an all elite wrestling hat, and I asked him about it. And I told him I used to work for WCW, and he goes, Oh my God, I love WCW. And he started telling me how much he loves you know, all elite wrestling and why he likes it and when, why he thinks it's. In some ways, it's a throwback. In some ways, it's, it's doing some new stuff. So, so I think that's good that there's – and some other people said they think Ring of Honor is decent. So hopefully some new promotions are, are, are going to make it more interesting because it's going to you know, give people new ideas, give some new blood a chance, not only in the ring, but stuff like what I did, the behind-the-scenes people to really try to you know, figure out how to make this thing work. So I think things are – I mean, you, you guys know better than me. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's uh, – Things are, are, are looking better. It's becoming more interesting again. Um, absolutely. I, I would definitely say so. Uh, AEW is a very, very, very uh, similar to what WCW was. So that's why I think that a lot of people like it because a lot of people see WCW in AEW. I mean, it's on TNT. You know, so it's it's they they see a lot of uh, similarities. I I just have one more question before we we go to the uh, Wrestle Talk podcast uh, game show challenge. Uh, when I was doing my my research, I, I I see that for the past eight years you've owned 
a movie theater. And, you know, that that's something that's near and dear to my heart because my dad ran a small movie theater. It was only like a three-screen movie theater in, in, in my town for years. So, you know, and, and we actually have a movie theater in Shepherdstown, which is like 10 miles away, which, which shows, you know, not major movies, but like, like some of the, the uh, smaller movies that, that, that have been out. And uh, what I want to know is what made you want to uh, own a movie theater and what exactly are art house films? Well, those are two good questions. Uh, the reason why I wanted to own a movie theater uh, is because uh, you, you want to make your living at something you're really, really passionate about. And I also love film. Mm-hmm. I also recognize that my filmmaking abilities, while I think interesting, I mean, all of my films have won awards at film festivals. You know, the, the one film that that had you no know, ended up having two stars has been seen around the world. But I knew well enough I'm probably not going to make a living at being a filmmaker. Uh, to try to you know, be a screenwriter and have something that you uh, that you've written and and I have written some films before. Um, the, the closest I ever got was a film that got a very very nice rejection letter from Spike Lee. I just knew myself enough that 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 I can't count on making a living of that. So how can I be involved in film and 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 actually have this be you know, uh, what I'm making money from? And as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I did you know found and and run you know a couple of film festivals in Georgia, and I really do enjoy that. In other words, where you're the conduit between the audience, you know, and the art. You're bringing films that uh, film festivals obviously are films that they have virtually no chance of seeing anywhere else. Uh, but so I, I was looking around for all over the country for movie theaters, and I was literally looking for uh, my favorite theaters are the Art Deco, the ones that were designed, you know, and built in the 30s and 40s. I just loved the way the marquees and, of course, the sandaliers and, and the, the lobbies. And there were a bunch of those for sale all over the country. Almost all of them were dark, meaning they, were, they went out of business. And that, that's why they didn't, they, they, their price wasn't too high. But it means moving to another state and trying to do a turnaround, taking a business that's out of business and thinking that I'm going to change it. And then I found this little single screen. You mentioned the one that your dad ran was three screens. I'm jealous because the one thing I didn't know is that you don't want only one screen because that limits. You know, you only have one movie at a time, and if that movie doesn't do well, you're not doing well. But I found this in, in Brunswick, Maine, uh, which uh, isn't too far from Boston, where I'm from and where I was living at the time. So I bought that, and it's an art house. An art house basically means it's getting the uh, – they say independent films, but that's not really correct because any film that's in a the theater is pretty much financed by a studio. So it may not have a $500 million budget like like, you know, like Avengers. It might only have you know, $2 million or $5 million, but they call those indie films. The correct name is actually Art House. Those are the ones that win all the Oscars and, and have, uh, I mean, have, have the, the, the real classic actor. I mean, not, not necessarily. I mean, uh, a film that I had a few years ago, Manchester by the Sea, you know, Casey Affleck won the Oscar for that. That's considered an Art House film. Uh, films that are out now, there's uh, Downton Abbey, you know, which was a movie based on the, the, the long-running TV show on PBS. Uh, the movie Judy, you know, starring Renee Zellweger, who, who was in um, uh, the, the one with uh, you know, uh, uh, Tom Cruise, or what was the name of that? Show Me the Money. Um, Jerry Maguire. Uh, she's, yes. she's in a movie called Judy, which is about the last year of Judy Garland's life. 
So art house, for lack of a better term, is you know not the big budgets, uh, um, you know, uh, comic book films or, or movies like it or anything like that. Uh, the smaller films that uh, know that the ones that usually win an Oscar time and usually have an older audience you know that likes them. Uh, my uh, my audience was was mostly senior women. So any any movie that had certain actresses like Meryl Streep or Helen Mirren or Maggie Smith or Judy Dench they would go see in droves. And they're the ones that become very, very appreciative because most of the films are in the multiplex, are, you know, the Avengers or, or things like that, movies they have no interest in seeing. So you have a, a very, very dedicated audience that actually sometimes give me a hug after a film. Thank you for being here. We love this movie. Or, you know, it was a, it was a sad movie. I, I would be standing outside the doors. They come out with a box of tissues. And, and, you, and you become like a you no, know, you you really become well known in the community because it's it's a small town. Brunswick is only thirty thousand people. You're you're the local movie theater guy. So even people that didn't know my name when they would see me walking my dog up and down Main Street, hey, it's the movie guy and the movie dog. So you become this you know this you know, mini, you know the, the, this minor celebrity, and that's not why I did it. I did it because I love film and I just love you know, watching people. Coming to, you know, instead of streaming it on their phone or their computer, actually going out, you know, coming to see a, you know, to a movie theater and then showing how appreciative that they got a chance to see something like that. So that's why I bought it. And unfortunately, the, the main reason I sold it was this movie theater was shoehorned in a very, very odd place in a very odd mall. And the, uh, where my office was, the ceilings were only five foot five inches, and I'm six foot five where I was. Uh, my back has actually contracted two inches in the nine years I, I bought it, and I have severe neck and back and hip, hip and knee problems from, from bending over for nine years. So I had to sell it for health reasons, but but that's why I bought it. I wanted to be involved in film and didn't trust my ability as a filmmaker to make that happen. So that's what I did, and like I said, I, I love being the guy in between the art and the audience because then you, know, you it's just fun to see people and they're appreciative of things like that. So. That's what I did, and that's why I did it. That is absolutely awesome that that you know that that you 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 have done that. Uh, let's go and bring the uh, night owl back in here. Night owl, are you with us, sir? Yeah, I am, and and I'm just taken aback by the passion uh, in Barry's voice when he talked about that venture. Uh, obviously, you know, business is business. Uh, but you put your heart into it, man. It sounds like for nine, almost ten years, uh, you got an opportunity to do something pretty special. So, and, and listen, when you talk about the movie theater business, my first job uh, was in Boca Raton, Florida, at Sunrise uh, Cinema at Meisner Park, uh, a small independent movie theater uh, where you would have old folks in droves uh, for movies that did feature actors like Meryl Streep. And I always appreciated them. Uh, they put me on that shift during the day. Uh, you know, what people would call, you know, noonish, one o'clock ish, you know, brunch time movies, uh, where the senior citizens go and watch. I, I always loved that. Uh, so it kind of hit close to home with me because it makes me miss home. The Midwest is great, but it's definitely not my home. Um, like, I, as I hail from, from South Florida myself. So, Barry, uh, we, we want to get into a little bit of a fun segment with you. And uh, then I want to give you a little crap for wearing a, a, a New England Patriots sweater because I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and obviously we're starting to develop a little history between us. So I'll touch on that at the end of this trivia challenge where you and me will go mano a mano, Night Owl versus Barry Norman, 
two out of three falls. Uh, trivia challenge, which Joe will give us a little bit more information on. The question is, are you up for a little bit of a uh, of a challenge inside the trivia square circle this evening? Well, I never lost a game of Trivial Pursuit, but if this is going to be all wrestling trivia, like I said, I, I couldn't remember characters from my own play that I wrote a few months ago, so I'm probably at a real disadvantage here, but sure, why not? Hit me. <laughs> let's, let's give it a whirl. Let's get into tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the world famous Wrestling Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Nice contest is scheduled for the best out of two, three falls. All contestants are the night out Renee Martinez and Barry Norman. In honor of tonight's guest, our Wrestling Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is titled At the Movies. I will give you background information on three movies based on professional wrestling. When you think you know who I'm talking about, what movie I'm talking about, I mean, just shout out your answer. The first person to win tonight's, to win two falls will win tonight's contest. So, for example, if I said this professional wrestling movie was released this year, it conquered the life of WWE competitor Paige, her professional wrestling family, and her journey to make it into the WWE, what movie would I be talking about? Oh God! <laughs> fighting, fighting for the page movie, fighting for something, fighting for my life, fighting for what the what the mm, what was that? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I have no idea. You just fight. I, I'll just take a guess. No, uh, fighting. No, um, five for fighting. No, that's the name of a band. Um. <laughs> We're both so close. Bro, I, I have know. no. You're both really, really close. It, 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 it is fighting with, and then it's my, and then it's about her. Fighting with my family. Fighting with my family. Fighting with my family is correct. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> Luke yeah, Roberts buddy. made this thing really so. Renee would have gotten a a, a, a point. So do do you both understand? The the uh the premise of the Russian Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. I'll give you a couple of clues, and you guys just shout out your 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 answers. Barry, are you ready? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Let's Renee, go, baby. The night out. Are you ready, <laughs> sir? Vamos. All right. Question number one. This movie was released in 2008, and it featured Mickey Rourke. As a long-time wrestling, aging professional. The wrestler wrestler is correct. I believe I heard Renee say it first. He got got in there first. How how about for a bonus point, what was Mickey Ward's character's name in the movie? What was his wrestling gimmick's name? Renee? 
don't no, I don't agree to this bonus point thing. I'm not I'm not <laughs> buying into it. We got two more questions. I, I know okay. hey listen, I know a Jewish guy hey listen, I know a Jewish guy when I talk to when I'm talking to one. I'm not letting you I'm not letting you take this time from me, big guy. No way, no chance. I you know what? I'm not answering that question. I'm not. I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay then I won't tell you that it was the Ram. Oops. Yes. Oh, Randy, man, you're the, killing me right now. <laughs> That's garbage. You take right. shots now, Barry. You take shots. <laughs> Cheap shots. Question <laughs> number two. This wrestling movie was released in the year 2000. It was based on two wrestling fans played by David Arquette and Scott Kane. When WCW Monday Night Show comes, Ready to Rumble is correct. That's Woo! one of my favorite movies. I'm glad that, that you really? know this, this movie. <laughs> All right, so the, the Night Owl has won. i never seen it. Barry, uh, you, wow. You need to see it. Barry Norman has won. So we are down to the third question. And this is another one of my favorite wrestling movies that I watched when I was was a little kid. So this wrestling movie was released in 1989, and it in this movie, the main character is played by Hulk Hogan as he battles... Tropic Thunder. The ba- no. He battles the Battle of the Tough Guys champion, Zeus. This movie also led to a SummerSlam match between these two men in tag team action. I know you're talking about, about Debo. Yeah. It was Debo versus Hulk Hogan, bro. I can't remember the name. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Zeus, Friday, Zeus was, t- was played by Tiny Lister, Stan the Larry at Hanson. Yes, it was Tiny. What the hell is it? Is yes. it not Tropic Thunder? Are you sure? No, Tropic Thunder was his TV show. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, no, no. no I'll, I'll, go, I'll give you two words that are in the, uh, the uh, title. No holds. No holds barred. Yes. No, no, We've got a one. Oh, dang it. Dang it. Barry no Norman has won the Russell Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. So because of that, here is your winning music. Wow. What do I win? Do I get like a year's supply of turtle wax? <laughs> no, man. No, no. You know what? Last week, uh, we had Nikolai on the show, and, you know, I told him that because he beat me, I would send him a WrestleTalk podcast mug, and I, I kept that promise. It's been mailed out. I'm going to do that again as long as Barry promises to put us over with the dang mug. I don't care what you put in it, Barry. You can put coffee, a root beer bug, or a root a root beer float, or an old-fashioned cerveza. Whatever you put in it, just promise to put it uh, on the, uh, on your social media for us, and I'll send you a WrestleTalk podcast mug for beating my ass tonight, man. Congratulations. 
<laughs> that's that's a t- really I can't. I mean, first of all, it was movies which I like. Movies that that are recent, which I haven't. I mean, the only movies I've seen the last nine years were at my theater, and believe me, I didn't have any wrestling movies at my theater. So I thought you were going to name something like uh, They Live or, or The Princess Bride or something like old movies with wrestlers. Well, well, okay, so question. So you weren't one of the theaters that you guys didn't play The Masked Saint? Nope. <laughs> okay, and, and then here's the last thing. Um, from from a, a New England Patriots fan perspective, do you think the kid is legit? Do you think Pat Mahomes could be like – the guy that's after Brady from what you've seen so far. And I know – Oh, my God, Patrick, yes. The guy – he, he is a freak. He's – I mean, he, he's, he's unbelievable. He, 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 there's only a few people I would pay to see. You know, Lamar Jackson and, and, and Pat Mahomes. He is absolutely incredible. I, I love watching him play. So, yeah, he's uh, wow. a, a couple more players on that team on, on defense, and, and there you have it. You have, you have a, a Super Bowl win in your future. Wow, well, there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, you got a, a Chiefs fan, a Patriots fan, and then a Redskins fan on the call here tonight. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, oh, Redskins. I'm so sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, yeah. Joe, I'm so sorry, bro. I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Fucking bullshit! We're not talking about the Redskins season. It's okay. We beat the uh, 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 Dolphins, so so that's okay. Hey, your, your Nationals are winning. <laughs> yeah, the, nat- the Natties are winning, that's for sure. No, the I Natties think, are I winning, think Joe yeah. Just to become a, I think Joe just needs to become a Ravens fan and, and get over it because the Redskins are always wow. going to be trash. <laughs> That'll never happen. I'll never be a Ravens fan. Well, that's good because they're going to lose this Sunday to the Patriots. Wow! I love it. Well, listen, guys, we are officially to the conclusion of episode 270 of the WrestleTalk podcast. Barry, all I got to say is this, man. From the moment we had an opportunity to speak to each other, a mutual friend of ours, uh, a publicist, Steve, out in uh, in good old-fashioned L.A., uh, linked us up. Um, you know, I knew this was going to be a great interview. I knew we were going to have great conversation. And more than anything else, man, we just want to thank you for your time. You're very busy, obviously. You're in the lab. You're writing. Uh, you're trying to get your content out there, man. And, and, and anything that we can do to help, just know that you have yourself a home here as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family, brother. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I mean, as you can see, I hate talking, so this is obviously the wrong venue for me. But, no, <laughs> thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. You guys are freaking awesome. Awesome. Joe, closing thoughts for uh, – tonight's episode, man. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for, for coming on to the podcast. It has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for spending time out of your busy schedule. Uh, just uh, uh, make sure that, that you are not a uh, a stranger because we would love to have you on once again, sir. Anytime, my friends. Anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode 270 of the Russell Talk Podcast, that was Nightmare Jones, Barry Norman, Michael Earl Pam, doing the very best that we can to show respect and love for the sport that we love, professional wrestling. 
We'll catch you guys next week, 24-7, all the time, at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.